Hey Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name is Gary. And my name is Adam. And we're at episode 164. Yeah. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy do Who fans Hope you've all had a cracking week And that you've managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related I <laughs> <laughs> hope you enjoyed Revisits Month That we kicked off last week Where we're going back and revisiting Some of the classic Who stories That we either didn't do together Or we've got different feelings and thoughts on So it's really cool Talking through Remembrance, loved it yeah, it was good, Good, wasn't it? Good to go back through Remembrance. It was awesome. Yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, this month, or this week, should I say, we're going to go back to another classic one a bit later on, Pyramids of Mars. Mm. It's going to be good. Very interesting, because I have no idea what you're thinking on this one. No, that's right. When did you... Because this one you did review on your own, didn't you? Is this did. like one of the very first podcast you did was it number two or something like that i meant to look it up before we started Crikey, very long yeah. ago wasn't it yes it was yeah it was ages and eight. It was episode three or something like that from- yeah i know it was early on i looked last week and i thought oh i'll check it before we record and i forgot but yeah i know it was one of the very early ones you did on your own um and i would have listened to it because i <laughs> i listened to all your podcasts before i joined but I can't remember your thoughts on it either, which is good. <laughs> Neither so can I. I. Didn't, no, I, I seem to remember you, you liked it, but I can't. Yeah, it was so long ago. I mean, when did you start this podcast? 2000 and? Uh, 2014. 14, was it? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it must have been early on. I think I started in March or May, something like that. So it would have been fairly early on in 2014. And I've, yeah. Yeah, and I've seen it, you know, maybe four or five times since then. So yeah, my feelings have changed small bit on it, but I know yours. I, I don't know yours at all because we've never spoken about it really. No, no, that's true. No, and it's uh, yeah, it's considered to be one of the classics, this isn't it? So um, it is. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be interesting when we get to talk through it because I have got some thoughts on it. <laughs> Two yes. pages of notes because <laughs> I rewatched it last night. So yeah, it's going to be yeah. good. Before then, yeah. we got some sad news to um to get through, yeah. which is really bloody sucky bad news mm. um very light on merch and then yeah we'll be into our review what have we been up to buddy anything cool anything doctor who related related <laughs> um i haven't been up to much but i've got a couple of nice bits of merch for you. in fact one of them we both got through the post um and we both had the same issue with it didn't we i am of course referring to <laughs> the christmas titan tardis which um as our uh, long-term listeners will know I was very excited when that got announced. I wanted it for ages, mm-hmm. and this is a bigger version of it, so all the better. It's like 4.5 inch, isn't it? That's right. Um, yep. So yeah, yours. I saw you post a picture on Monday. 
and uh, and I thought, oh, the first thing I thought was the first time I'd seen the actual packaging for it. Um, hadn't seen it, hadn't seen it online. You know, they'd only posted the actual tie in itself. So it's the first time I saw the packaging, and the, the first thing I thought was, oh wow, that looks really nice. It's like a nice Christmas box. It's got a nice little Christmas inlay, and the TARDIS just looks great in it. So I thought, oh wow, this is this that looks lovely. <laughs> And then I saw your, and I thought, oh, TARDIS looks a bit wonky inside. <laughs> and then I read, you know, your tweet and you were saying, you know, uh, lovely TARDIS, shame that it arrived in damaged packaging. Mm-hmm. And basically the plastic stand, you know, that it's on is all broken, isn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. So you put it in and basically the TARDIS falls through it and, you know, doesn't look too good. So I was like, oh man, that's, that's bad. Um, but these things happen. Anyway, I was thinking it's Monday. I'm going to, hopefully I'll come back to work and there'll be a parcel waiting for me because um, you'd got it yep. uh, later in the day while I was at work, checking my phone, pretending to be busy. Uh, I saw another friend of mine had got it and I was like, oh good. Everyone's getting it. Oh good. Can't wait to go. And um, yeah, got home and there was just nothing waiting for me. I was like, what? Where's my Christmas TARDIS? So anyway, cut long story short, it turned up the next day, turned up yesterday, Tuesday. And uh, same issue. I opened it up. I was like, oh, good. looks great. Oh, man, the the blimmin' thing's broken. You know, because it is a nice box. I know you're going to put yours on the shelf. And I actually am going to put mine on the shelf. But I would have liked to have kept the box because it's really nice, isn't it? It's a really nice bit of packaging. So I was really peed off. I was just like, oh, man. My. So two separate people that live miles apart, two separate orders. Yep. And yep. both of them have arrived in this spot. So you kind of put on Twitter, didn't you, that chances are they've been sent out like that. Because you could probably blame the Royal Mail for being too rough with it. Or maybe even, you know, this one or two have arrived mm. like that in the warehouse. And it's just unfortunate. But for us both to have the same, exactly the same issue is um, is a bit unfortunate. So, yeah, we're not sure about that. But Titan did tweet back, didn't they? And said, oh, you know, yeah. just get in touch. It will send it out. But I don't know about you, mate, but... As much as it annoys me, and it really does, I'm really in finicky about things like that. If I contact FP, where I got it from, same as you, they'll just ask me to send it back, and they'll send me a label, and I can't be bothered with that. I don't know about you. I don't. Yeah, I'm just same. like, oh, I'm not, because then you've got to post it. You got my post office is miles away. You know what I mean? I got to go and post it back, and then wait another month for them to send it out, because we all know what they're like. Um, so I can't be bothered with that. And to be honest, I can't even be bothered to email Titans just to get them to send. <laughs> so I appreciate them getting back to us anyway, both of them. But uh, yeah, it was a bit of gutting. I, I don't know. I know you're annoyed. You're probably not as annoyed as me because you're, I think you said on Twitter, you're just going to put it on the shelf anyway. It's just a bit meh. But uh, yeah, but me, yeah. but me, I'm a bit like, ah. <laughs> No, that's it, yeah. Because for me, I unbox things and stick them on the shelf. I don't keep stuff in the box generally, yeah. unless it's something of sort of high value. <clears throat> but fair play to um for FP and Titans for for replying on Twitter fairly quickly. It was, I mean, FP replied within sort of ten minutes to say, "Did it come from us? And if so, drop us an email and we'll sort it for you." But I know what you mean. We'll have to send it back. And, it's too and much all, of a fat, yeah. isn't it? if it was like a hundred pounds item, then of course you know I would have been on to them immediately and sort it out but and then uh titan as well they said shame about the packaging being broken and if you want a replacement but i just can't be asked if all that i just want to you know it's going on the shelf anyway the box is already in the bin so 
It's just a oh, bit really? like, yeah. Oh, man, I would yeah. never throw that away. I guess, believe it or not, mine is actually going on the shelf because I think we can both agree that um, it's a really nice cool. variant because they've done quite a few TARDIS variants, haven't they? And we yeah. were saying it's getting a bit of a joke now, but this is a this really is a lovely variant and uh, it looks great. So mine will be coming out of the box, um, <laughs> but I would have kept the box anyway because I think it's really nice, but... Mm. Yeah, a bit annoying. Uh, apart from that, not a lot. I did manage to get my hands on the Tom Baker Years DVD, though, last Ooh, weekend. Nice. Which I was very pleased about. It's a double double DVD set. Not to be confused with the BBC VHS release. <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't know if you've ever... No, you probably haven't seen it, mate, because it's never been released but on DVD or anything. But years ago, they released this... The BBC released this thing called the Tom Baker Years, which was bizarre. It was Tom Baker basically sat in a room being shown clips from lots of different stories of his and being asked what his memory were of them. And it's so funny. I must find somebody put a, a montage of his responses on Twitter. I must find it and send it to you because it's hilarious. Um, right. Nearly everyone. He's like, well, I don't really, I remember anything about that. Um, let's try another one. <laughs> and then it's like, let's try another one. I'll tell you what, let's try another one. And it's just like <laughs> this montage is brilliant because that's literally all he does all the way through. But it's great to see all the clips. But I doubt that I'll ever get a, a DVD release, I'm afraid. But this this one I've bought is basically a two DVD set and it features lots of interviews um, from the guys. Uh, I believe it's Myth Maker. I hope I've got that right. That's correct. Yep. They used to release them, didn't they, uh, singly. And they basically collected together you know, lots of interviews from the Tom Baker era. So you've got like Liz Sladen's on there, Ian Marta, which uh, is really nice because there's not much um, footage of interviews of Ian Marta. So that's lovely to have Louise Jameson and obviously Tom Baker's on there as well. Cool. Uh, yeah. And it's a really good one with Tom because he's walking around the Android location, mm-hmm. Android invasion location. That's what I meant to say okay. with, uh, yeah. with Nick Briggs. Oh, nice. And it's it's yep. really good. They're sort of standing outside the pub and stuff. So, yeah, it's a really nice DVD set, actually. It's only nine ninety nine or a tenner. So, well worth getting if you can find it in a shop. I, it took me a while, but I managed to get it eventually from good old FOP. <laughs> no, do you know FOP? In London, yep. Uh, well, actually, it was the one in Oxford. I oh, got in it Oxford. In. Oh, right. Yeah, yep. yeah. But uh, they're basically HMV under a different name. Yeah. It's owned by the company, yep. but... Yeah, they had it. So, yeah, it's a good one. Oh, nice. So, I've, I've only watched uh, a little bit of it so far, but I haven't got to the Imata interview yet but that's the one i'm looking forward to seeing so yeah it's good so that's all i've been up to really just spending money spending money yay <laughs> thing i do best yeah. <laughs> what about you yeah nice one uh, not much mate uh same as you we had that uh kerfuffle with <laughs> the, uh, it. it is a cool little figure though i'm glad i bought it because you were surprised you're like uh, i can see you're not going to bother with this one mate but yeah you're not as into the titans as me are you i mean i no. love them but you're you're no you're sensible you just buy the odd one <laughs> yeah i'll take them or leave them but i've got i'm just a sucker for for tardis models you know whether yeah. it's you know fully realized screen accurate or if it's the cartoony titan i just love yeah tardis figure so yeah it was really cool um i spoke to fp again regarding my first dr funko pop all oh, right and apparently, Is he on his way? apparently he's on his way oh right good yeah so it's um i, I finally got a dispatch email uh to say that uh, he has been dispatched and he's on his way, um, but he's not turned up yet. I remember when I got my dispatch email for uh, the little uh, Titan holiday uh, TARDIS, uh, and I got that on the 3rd. When was the 3rd? can't remember. Anyway, that turned up Friday, yeah. yeah, on the Monday. So I got my dispatch email for the first uh, doctor a couple of days ago, 
So I'm hoping he's going to be here any day now. Oh, he might even arrive while we're recording because that that happens sometimes, doesn't it? You're like, it oh, does. just gotta just gotta go to the door, got a delivery. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he's uh, apparently on his way. So I'm looking forward to getting him on the shelf, which will be good. Um, and I'm also I haven't really watched much here other than the um, other than pyramids for the review today. Mm. Um, I have been doing a bit of reading. I caught up on some reading, so I started reading the. Uh, you know the Halloween scary book that came out, Tales of oh, Terror? Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm almost through that. That's been really good. I've only got a, a couple more stories to go because it's a collection of short stories. Uh, and it's been pretty good so far. I've really enjoyed it. It's um, The last one I read uh, last night was Blood Will Out. Oh, uh, right. Which is the family of blood, you know, from the tenant story. Oh, I love that two-parter. Yeah, yeah so yeah. those guys are, are back. And that was a really good story. And it's been pretty good. Some of them, I mean, it's not too... You're not going to have nightmares or lose any sleep over <laughs> any of these stories. They're not that scary, but they are quite creepy, a couple of them. Um, it's Sister of Mine, in it? <laughs> yeah, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they are, they are pretty good stories, and there was one story which was really, really good. It was called The Monster in the Wood, and it was a third Doctor story, um, D- Doctor and Joe Joe Grant story. And uh, Oh, yeah. That was really good, and it had a really cool little twist as well in that oh, short nice. story so um it's a pretty good book actually it's um yeah it's uh those of you that i saw a few of our listeners had picked it up over halloween and stuff so yeah getting through that um and also a quick update on our um our blogging activity so hopefully um you guys would have seen our new writers putting out articles over the last couple of weeks so uh they're flowing out nicely looking really good yeah um so dan peters jordan shortman and maria Kalitachu, I'm going to say. We always get her name wrong. Um, but yeah, they've guys been putting out some really good articles. They um, have. Yeah, I was reading them last night. Really great stuff, guys. Really good stuff. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, yeah, so if you don't subscribe to... Because um, you guys can subscribe on things like iTunes and all their podcast networks and stuff, for the, the podcast. But if you head over to the website, there's, um, there's a little subscribe section. You can subscribe to the feed. So if you guys want to... Keep up to date when articles as well as podcasts are going out. You can do that. So very happy with those guys. I think we made good decisions with our choices with the writers. No, you're really doing good stuff. Yeah, good work. Funny enough, our, our um, mispronunciation has become legendary. <laughs> uh, somebody who left a comment um, for this week's review on on the Geeks Handbag said, uh, private message me and said, oh, just to say, um, I know you're not very good at pronouncing surnames, so you don't have to pronounce <laughs> mine if you don't want to. Just, just call me Alex. And oh, I was like, cool. what? And then I looked at his name, and I was thinking, oh yeah, how would you say? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Cheers, Alex. Um, just talking to books, mate. I just got to quickly say, I, I picked up a book. I didn't buy it, um, <laughs> amazingly, but uh, no, I picked up a book in good old. Is it Waterstones or I don't know? One of the big bookshops the other day. Uh, which is brand new. It's a brand new dot two book. It's called the hundred illustrated adventures. I don't know if you remember, we talked about it on the merch thing a while back, right? Yeah. Um, the reason I mention it is because I will be buying it when it comes down in price because it's got the most boring cover imaginable. And I think we said this at the time, we were like, what a boring mm-hmm. cover for a book. It's basically just a black cover with these looks like a graphic equalizer sprawled down the front and the dot two logo it's absolutely awful yes um yeah. and i you just you know they you know that old saying never judge a book by its cover well i plucked it off the shelf and had a quick flick through it and i'll tell you what it is full of really nice illustrations it's like a really nice book and i'll tell you what if it had been you know in any way reduced you know i would have just given in and bought it but i have to say i, I thought i'll get it 
I hate to say this, but I'll get it when it's cheaper, you know. Um, but it's such a nice book. But I'll tell you what, if you, you know what I mean? If I hadn't seen it in a physical shop, if I just looked at the cover on Amazon or online, I would never in a million years have bought it. No, it was, um, that was the book where they asked um, 100 they they requested a hundred different pieces of fan art, so it's all Doctor Who. Oh, fan. Was it all fan art? Yeah, yeah. right. Well, so it's, it's pretty good. I got to say, I was quite yeah, I was quite tempted with it when I was flicking through it because they had that and they had that massive Dalek book that's just come out with a silver cover. Oh, that looks good. Uh, like with yeah. the Dalek bubbles. Yeah, that was quite nice as well. Yeah, mm. but that was about thirty quid, and I was like, that's a big mm-hmm. old book. That one. Yeah, it's a big old book. So yeah, two nice books. I'll I'll put them on my Christmas list. I'll ask her. <laughs> I'll ask Santa to drop them down the chimney. With extra packaging. With extra packaging, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's um. I don't know how much you saw it in. Where were you? I don't know if you were in Waterstones or Foils. It or whatever, was full but... price. It was twenty quid and thirty or yeah. thirty five for the Dalek. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. On Amazon, it's thirteen. Pounds. Oh, well, that's good. That's so a good price. That's what I paid bad. for. It. Yeah. Mm. So I might get that. Spy the blank cover. Yeah, but that no, looks pretty good. Yes. Yeah. I think that's going to do for our waffle and catch up and chat and so on. Yes. Shall we land a TARDIS? Yeah. First up, as we say many times, I hate kicking off news with sad news. And this one really yeah. is sad news. It is. Dudley Simpson, the awesome... Uh, composer of so many classic Who stories yeah. has sadly passed away uh, at the age of 95. And uh, this, I, I'll be completely honest with you, completely honest, I had no clue that he had written this much, that he'd oh, written that much music across yeah. so many stories and episodes, because I knew that he'd written a lot. I knew that he, he'd written you know many stories, but his catalogue of work on who is just um, i think he's the he's the 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 composer that's um worked on the most episodes if if i even uh murray gold who's done you know all of the the modern who series is dudley was it just classic years that he's done the most he's one yeah, of i think I he's one of so, the yeah. composers that has written the the largest volume of work you know a, a, across his career for who and um mm. it's a really sad time because I don't know about we've we normally when we say when we do an review for for classic who we say is there anything else you want to mention before we go on, and we quite we quite frequently say uh, the music was awesome, Dudley Simpson's mm. score was brilliant, you know, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So uh, sad times, mate, but he leaves behind a really good legacy, really large, awesome legacy of his work, and uh, yeah, it's just going through some of his stuff. I mean, I think it was like fourteen. 13 or 14 years he worked across all of Classic Who, and he did some mm. bloody awesome uh, uh, scores, um, going right back to The Crusade and The Chase, through to things like The Claws of Axos, Mind of Evil, Carnival of Monsters, The Three Doctors, Peladon, uh, Terror of the Daleks, The Ark in Space, Genesis of the Daleks, uh, our review story this week, Pyramid of, Pyramids of Mars, Brain of Morbius, which is awesome, yeah. went on to do um, The Hand of Fear, Face of Evil, Horror of Fang Rock, <laughs> Stones of Blood, um, Destiny of the Daleks, Creature from the Pit, Horns of Nine, just unbelievable amount of work. I know, man. I'll tell you, I, I genuinely love 
Dudley's music as well. I was so sad when I heard this, but um, it just his style as well, because he also did uh, a lot of music for Blake Seven, and that's it's, right. Yeah. It's very recognisable, but but not in a generic way, if you know what I mean. Like, mm. when I watch Blake 7, I can tell it's Dudley, and I, I just love his, his music. I think it really, really suited Tom's era in particular. Um, it works so well. Mm. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, even stuff like um, City of Death. I mean, that yes. tune, I yeah. don't have to look at that title <laughs> and I can hear it in my head. You know, it, his work was brilliant, and... Um, I've seen a couple of little interviews with him on, like, you know, the DVD extras. Um, I, I can't think which ones they were because, you know, like you said, his body of work, it could be any on any of those stories, on any of those DVDs. But there are a couple of little interviews with him, and he, he comes across as a really, like, nice little, you know, lovable guy. He's just so quirky and, and upbeat. And, and um, yeah, I, I just think his work, like you said, his massive um, legacy that he's left behind. And, uh, yeah. It's sad news, but his work was brilliant, in my opinion. Absolutely, mate. It was brilliant. And uh, I think after he retired, he went back, because he's from Australia. He's an Australian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, he went back. But he did pop over um, for the 50th anniversary. Oh, did and, he? Oh, right. Uh, yeah. So um, if you go on YouTube and just search for Dudley Simpson 50th anniversary or something like that, he came over and he did a few interviews there, which are quite interesting. Um, yeah, so... It's a, yeah, it's sad, but it's also a, a, a real good celebration of you know the music of Classic Who, and um, absolutely, he yeah. was one of the you know the best, one of the best from from the old time. So um, yes, Dudley Simpson leaves us. Uh, yeah, and I have to say, um, on the second bit of news we got, it's more sad news because we've also um, lost Paddy Russell, who was uh, a pioneering television director. Um, she's died at the age of 89. Uh, she worked on quite a lot of episodes of Doctor Who throughout the years, so she worked with a couple of different doctors. Uh, she started with William Hartnell right way back in the day with the massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, she worked on that story. Uh, she went on to work with John Pertwee on stories like uh, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, and also Tom Baker. She worked on the story we're going to be do, going to be reviewing today, Pyramids of Mars. Uh, she worked on Horror Fan Rock, and apparently she had a bit of a, a bit of a rocky relationship <laughs> with Tom. She was quoted as saying, um, Tom Baker was easy to deal with at first, but the part went to his head completely. By the time I did Horror Fan Rock, he was desperately difficult to work with. I remember one particular scene which involved Tom coming very fast through a doorway, followed by Louise. I'd set it up for camera to stay with Tom, but he couldn't and wouldn't come in normally. We did four takes, but the camera simply wouldn't hold him. So in the end, I said fine and told the cameraman to stay with Louise. <laughs> so I don't know which story that old oh, horror that was, I think. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously working with Tom in the late years um, was a bit of an experience for it. But again, a great, you know, some great work and uh, another one that, that tends to uh, appear a lot on, on DVD extras in interviews and stuff. So yeah. sad that we've lost it. But so yeah, Paddy Russell, 89. Yes. And last up, uh, this one happened about a week and a bit ago. <laughs> we, we didn't mention it last week on the show. Did it happen by then? I can't remember. Um, so wow. anyone that subscribes to Doctor Who magazine or has um, looked at the casting credits uh, for some of Doctor Who since 2005 will recognize the name Nicholas Pegg. And uh, he has been... Uh, a naughty of, boy. He's been a very naughty boy, yeah. And he's been uh, dismissed as the writer and contributor to uh, Doctor Who magazine for his uh, hidden message of profanity 
against his employers in the the latest episode of the latest sorry latest issue of the magazine and uh now there, there uh, i said on twitter the other day that this was an extremely funny but also very brave um uh move so to speak because we've all been there I, i've been in jobs before where you know you you can't stand it and the people you work with or your management are just a complete bunch of beeps mm-hmm. and you think to yourself you, you, when you have one of those really bad days in a job that you don't want to do you kind of concoct these plans you're like right on my last day i'm going to do this to really annoy everybody i'm going to mm. on my last day i'm going to cause a fire alarm or i'm going to cut the power or i'm going <laughs> to you know wipe that important database and you know you start concocting <laughs> these revenge like he's going out in a blaze of glory plans yeah. But Nicholas Pegg actually did it. He um, he obviously had a big bee in his bonnet about Panini, which is the company that um, put out Doctor Who magazine and BBC Worldwide. Mm. He obviously had a a, a, a a real problem and has had a bad experience with his employers. So in the last article that he did, um, at the very end of the article, he said, if you look hard enough, there is always something hidden in plain sight which didn't really allude to anything that much in the article, I didn't think. But one um, very uh, eagle-eyed reader actually circled all of the letters of the start of each paragraph throughout the article, and it spelled out something very rude. Mm. And he put it on Twitter, and then obviously they all got hold of it, and the papers got hold of it, and they they uh, they reached out to BBC Worldwide, and they said, yes, we've uh, we've raised the issue with the publisher, and they have actually dismissed the writer. So Nicholas Pegg has been set free. But the uh, the, the message itself said, uh, it, it, I can't remember which way around it was, it was BBC Worldwide and Panini, or Panini and BBC Worldwide are a uh, bunch, bunch of, of beeps. Beginning with C. <laughs> beginning with C, yes. It was very, very, very... Uh, crude you know it was a very naughty <laughs> message now i put out on twitter i said it's a very funny and very brave and i had a you know people are very you know split on this i had a couple of people saying yeah it was hilarious mm. all of it and i had a couple of people say no it wasn't brave it was incredibly stupid and all the rest of it and i do agree it is a very stupid thing to do because it's probably you know it's probably put a stopper on him getting a job in the near future <laughs> as, mm. a, as an article contributor in any sort of magazine because they're probably thinking oh god we don't want this guy putting any more hidden messages anywhere so he's probably shot himself in the foot a little bit however it is incredibly funny what do you think yeah i must admit i mean i thought this was uh i wasn't sure this was genuine because um i saw it pop up on twitter where someone had circled the the letters and uh the first thing i did was was run upstairs and grab the my copy of dot two magazine to see if it was true and it, and it was and i was like what <laughs> No way. Um, I, I did think it was funny, but I, 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 I'm sort of intrigued. You know, I've heard a lot of rumours about why he did it, mm-hmm. um, which has also led on to more rumours about stuff going on about, you know, behind the scenes at the BBC. Um, and there's rumours that it tied in with Tom Spilsbury leaving, uh, why he left. And, you know, it's all rumours. It's all speculation. I don't know what's true, but but it seems there's a bit of a... There's a lot of um, pe- people that, you know, like this. And I've seen like Gareth Roberts on Twitter has been a bit vocal about the BBC of late. Indeed. And uh, Clayton yep. Hickman was very unhappy recently with the BBC to do with Sharda. And then he said, oh, I've got a 
can't say too much because they might be using my inter after all. And I don't know. It seems like, you know, I, as I said, I don't, I can't, I don't know what's true. So I'm not going to say too much, but it seems like a few feathers have been ruffled yes. within the sort of production uh, people um, mm. that deal with the BBC worldwide. So yeah, it's, um, I don't know what, what at first just seemed like a bit of a cheeky <laughs> <laughs> move has sort of led on to being quite an interesting story, but it's all, like I say, it's all rumour, it's all speculation. I don't know what's true or what's not, which is why I'm, you know, not going to say too much because I don't want to spread gossip. But it, yeah, it just seems like there's lots of stuff going on at the BBC that it would appear a lot of people don't like who yes. work with yeah. them. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But again, maybe it's all to do with this big change that's happening, uh, you know, with the new series coming in. It seems like the, it seems like BBC Worldwide have got some big ideas and, they're, you know, they're throwing certain things out of the window and bringing in new things and it's upsetting people and making <laughs> lots of other people happy. And I don't know, it seems like there's big changes afoot going on behind the scenes and all these little things seem to be tying into it, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I thought it was, yeah, like you said, uh, 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 quite, it's one of those things that I think will not go down in history, but it'll be one of those things like that issue will sort of be quite a significant issue. Don't people will say, oh, that's the issue that's got the rude hidden anagram in. Do you know what I mean? So it's become a little um, thing in, in Doctor Who history. And I quite like that, if I'm if I'm honest. I just think that's a little quirky thing yeah. in my yeah. collection that I'll be, oh, that's the naughty issue. You know, so I quite like it, but I, I understand it's a bit naughty. So, you know, yeah. I can see why people were saying, oh, no, bro, you know. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about um, sort of feathers being ruffled by the BBC. And I yeah. kind of join the dots a little bit with this one and try to read between the lines because... The way I saw this story as a, you know, as a whole is he said that BBC Worldwide and Panini are a bunch of beeps. Hmm. So what this suggests to me is that BBC Worldwide have tried to stamp some sort of creative authority on the magazine. And instead of Panini pushing back and saying no, they've just said, yes, do that. It's okay for you to do that. So Tom's, spill, you know, uh, Spilsbury is not happy about that which is maybe contributing to him leaving. And now yeah. Nick Pegg has also, you know, has been told maybe to change certain things or to do certain things a certain way by BBC Worldwide. And Panini haven't sort of backed them up and said, because he's actually, you know, he said naughty words about both of them. So that's how it mm. reads to me. So I would say that, yes, BBC Worldwide are pushing buttons in certain places it would mm. seem but re regarding doctor who and some people are not happy so uh yeah we'll see we'll see what's going on because it's not it's often these things that sort of ripple further out in the pond that uh give you a notification about what's actually going on because obviously you know the bbc or people more um more famously involved like the lead actors and the directors and producers won't publicly say it but these people like nick Pegg and and tom and clayton who are involved with it um but not sort of on that famous level as such you know you know they're often the people that will give you an indicator subtly as to uh what's going what's on going so, on yeah, yeah so that's how i read it i'll just sort of join the dots a little bit i could be wrong mm. but that's how i how i see it so um yeah, so I'm not sure how this will affect his career at Big Finish as well, because he's obviously done a oh, yeah. few stories with them. So I'm not sure how they'll view it and if he'll be back there at some point either. So 
interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah, I expect it'll all come out at some point, what it was all about. But yeah, for the minute, just speculation, but interesting. (laughs) That's going to do for news. Should we get our grumpy friend in and see what he's got? Yes, how is he today? Is he grumpy? Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Uh, only one bit of merch from our tin friend. He's now scarpered very quickly. I don't know what's wrong with him. <laughs> Normally hangs <laughs> around. hanging around uh, today, no. Yeah. No, he's not. You just feel the attitude vibrating off of him. Just that attitude bad bread. Yeah, whatever. Hmm. Uh, anyway, he's just plonked down um, uh, some big Finnish news, uh, which is Aliens Among Us. He's getting a part three. Following part on. three already, blimey. Do you know what? I thought exactly the same thing when I just saw it. I thought, crikey, have we had the first two already? It only seems yeah. like um, part one was uh, was announced um, uh, recently, but it wasn't. It was quite a while ago, wasn't it? It was, um, when was part one out? Let's have a look. Uh, part one was out. I don't know, because it doesn't uh, say on the Big Finish website. I was going to say, I don't know. I must admit, I've, um, because of the... You know, massive output of Big Finish. I haven't got any of the tortured ones yet. Um, I hear they're very good, but I, I haven't picked any up, so I couldn't tell you when it came out. That's why I'm slightly horrified that we're already on. Bo- I'm already three box sets behind, if you know what I mean. I'm like, yeah. oh gosh, because once you get, you know, if you miss the first box set or even the second thing, oh well, I might go back and get those. And then suddenly, you know, they're on series five or six, and you're like, oh, it's a bit like the uh, Jago and Lightfoot, isn't it? I really yeah. want to get all of those. and But there's about 16 now, isn't there? So behind on it all. Yeah. Because they just produce so much. But anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, part one, well, part two was out uh, October. So okay. last month, part two uh, came out, um, which is still on the, the special web price, by the way, up until the end of December. Right. Um, so it's 25 quid for the download and 28 for the CD. Uh, part one has gone back up though. So 30 and 35 quid respectively. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they do look good though. I do because it picks up because this series picks up directly after miracle day. That's right. Yeah. So it's almost like it was, it was kind of like second prize for John Barrowman because he campaigned so hard, didn't he? To get tortured back on the TV. I remember him having yeah. on Instagram and Twitter, him putting pictures of him going into the BBC offices and having meetings with people and trying desperately to get it back on the TV, which ultimately at the moment anyway, didn't come to fruition. But um, so I'm not saying that he settled for big finishes in like, Oh, this will have to do because big finishes is obviously awesome. Mm. Um, but I think this is like the best that he could do. If you like, you know, if you can't get it on TV, let's continue it on big finish. Um, and it does sound like a good story because it brings back the original cast, um, which is always a good thing. Um, who's in it? It's Eve miles, uh, Reese Williams. Uh, yes, he got the original cast back in all of the, or in most of the series. Um, and I would like to pick them up. I would like to go through them at some point. Um, but because part one has now gone back up to that price, I might have to wait until they do one of their yeah one of their sales weekends. Yeah, because mm. they do do that sometimes, which you have to be quick on with big finish sometimes. Yeah, you do. I just uh, they just did a Tom Baker one, which I was really pleased about because uh, 
couple of months ago they did another offer with it was like a canine offer so there was so because i'm trying to catch up with the fourth doctor adventures which i've um, again become very behind on i think on series six now and i'm on like series three or i was so i picked up a few of the canine ones from series four which meant there was but there were like three that weren't in the offer and i was like no that's annoying yeah so i've got half a series four now but they've just done a new fourth doctor sale which again yeah i'd be pretty quick on and uh, I managed to get the next three, so I've now got the whole of Series 4 well, on its way to me uh-huh. whenever they decide to dispatch it. Um, so, yeah, you, they, they do do great offers, but you do have to you have to sort of keep checking all the time. You do. Uh, or follow them on Twitter, because obviously they post on there, but, yeah. Yes. Uh, so part three uh, story, very roughly, is Captain Jack and Gwen Cooper restarted Torchwood, but it's in a very different Cardiff. Something terrible's oh. happened to the city with every day getting darker, Will a new arrival prove to be the ally that Torchwood needs? So, yeah, it's back to that Torchwood are in trouble, blah, blah, blah. But they do sound good, though. So I might wait for the, like you say, the the flash sale at some point. Just keep your ear to the ground. It's always, I always have big finish um, notifications set in my Twitter app. So uh, I'll hopefully catch it. But yeah, anyone that's in a big finish, this will be out in February next year. Yes, I'll do the same. So that's going to do for for merch. It's on to our revisits month second mm. story. What are we doing, buddy? So yeah, Tom Baker this week with the pyramids of Mars. Where have we landed? Who's saying this is unit HQ? Years before I knew. The temple is cleansed of all unbelievers. The High One himself will come among us. This is how it was written. Beware, Sutek. Set or Sutek was one of their gods. I am Sutek the Destroyer. Where I tread, I leave nothing but dust and darkness. I find that good. Sutek will have released himself to destroy the world. The forces that are being summoned into corporeal existence in that house are more powerful and more dangerous than anything even I have ever encountered. Insect, or I shall destroy the cosmos. Insect, beware, Sutek. Beware, Sutek. <laughs> Great voice uh, on Sutek, isn't it? Fantastic. Beware. Yeah. Mm. Right, pyramids of Mars. Then brought to our screens on the twenty-fifth of October through to November on in nineteen seventy-five. It was a four-parter. It was written by. Uh, Robert Holmes and Lewis Griefer under the pseudonym Stephen Harris. It was directed by Paddy Russell. Yes. Who we spoke about earlier, obviously, starring Tom Baker and Sarah, sorry, Elizabeth Sladen. (laughs) Um, And story is thus, I'm going to nick the synopsis off of the Doctor Who wiki because it's a lot more short and succinct than I would uh, waffle through. So in a Victorian Gothic mansion, strange things are afoot. The master of the house away in Egypt has been replaced by a sinister Egyptian. Cloth-wrapped mummies roam the grounds, killing people. Beneath a pyramid, the last of the Osirens, Sutek the Destroyer, waits to be freed to at long last bring his gift of death to all who live. <laughs> gift of death. <laughs> what a lovely gift. What a lovely present. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so pyramids. Yeah, so it does kick off with uh, um, the Egyptian... Uh, excavation. Um, Professor Scarman mm. uh, is there excavating, and he comes across a strange figure and gets supposedly 
killed, but it's actually a bit of a zombie and carries out Sutek's work back at the mansion. And it's all set in Mick Jagger's man- mansion out in the countryside. <laughs> and uh, the Doctor and Sarah Jane try and stop these mummies who look really awesome, by the way. And, they do, uh, yeah. You know, so it's all cool. It's all it's all very classic. It feels very, very, very Tom Bakerish, if that makes sense. It does feel mm. like his era, definitely. Um, all very contained, though. All the the sets, even the outside shots, are very small. There's only a few bits going on, but it's mostly studio based, and so on. So, what do you reckon, then, mate? Pyramids. We might as well kick off as a normal review because we've never done this together. So, yeah. What do you reckon? Uh, pyramids. Um, so. Um... I do really like this story. I do think it's a it's a classic. Um, it's funny because I don't know if you remember when we talked about doing these re- revisits two weeks ago on the podcast, and I was saying there was one story on the list that I sometimes felt was a bit overrated. Right. Um, I was referring to this. I thought you were. Yeah. Did you? Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna slightly eat humble pie because. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll, first of all, I'll just say the, the reason I thought it was overrated is because the last time I watched it, as much as I enjoyed it, I remember thinking in my head there was a bit of padding. I thought there's a lot of walking around, right. hiding in the forest, you know. So I was thinking, come on, the, the pacing was a bit of an issue for me the last time I watched it. So I still really liked it, but I was thinking, yeah, it's good, but it's not, you know, it's not a, it's not an absolute classic that people rave about. So that was my feelings. Um, but I did watch this again uh, last night and the night before. So I watched two episodes and two. And I, I kind of, I don't, not that I saw it with different eyes, but I kind of thought, I actually really do like this story. Right. And I, I do get why people rave about it, actually. So I don't know. Uh, I, I do, yeah. So I did think it was a little overrated because people call it a classic and i until this point not really put it up there with terror the zygons and you know seeds of doom or death all get mixed up the tom baker one which i consider to be brilliant and you know it's always been just on the outside of say the top 10 for me right but i might i think it's crept into the top 10 so i really enjoyed it mate and i'm gonna slightly take back what i thought i'd be saying about it being overrated because uh <laughs> yeah i just thought it was really really good I, I still think there is a bit you know i think it could have been tightened up a little in places i still think there's a little bit too much um wandering around uh but but you know but it's filled with uh with dudley simpson's fantastic creepy music and mm-hmm. you know so it's all good yeah so i really liked it mate what about you yeah so this was i think this was the very first classic dvd that i bought really okay. i think so yeah it's, it's one of two it's either this or genesis but those two i picked up close together but th- this is like the, my first foray into classic who interesting and, uh, yeah so I, I, it's either that or genesis one of the two but i bought them close together and uh, it's always been it's it's one of those stories that's sort of left an impression on me because it was my first when i was first getting into classic who and uh, it's always left you know when you view something for the first time it does leave you know whether it's good or bad it does leave some kind of impression on you in some way so I, I always have that sort of feeling on it especially when like the opening scene where Scarman goes into the, the, the chamber in the pyramid. And, mm. you know, I just thought it, it, it's got that, like I said, that Tom Bakery era sort of classic feel to it where, yeah. you know, the audio is a bit rough and ready, you know, the, as they walk on to set, it's a little bit sort of clunky and echoey. Mm. And, you know, it's got that amazing kind of just great feel to it that, that classic who has. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, the story overall, I think it's really good. I think it's got one of the best sort of Who villains or monsters, if you like, from from classic Who. I, I find Sutek to be a real threat, um, you know, to the pretty much the entire sort of universe, really. He's mm. got that real sort of higher power or sort of godlike um, thing. And it's it, it, you always, well, for me anyway, I, I always think that is he going to get free you know, so as we go out throughout the story, I think to myself, is he going to break free? Is he going to be able to, you know, to be released? And um, there's that sort of tension there as the, as we go through, especially parts three and four. Mm. Um, so I think that the, the villain's really, really good. Uh, I like Tom in this one. I think Sarah Jane's really good as well. I think she has yeah. a great performance in it. Supporting cast are not too bad. There's a bit of... Uh, there's a bit of a theatre going on in a couple of places, especially in the death scenes. The death scenes were really... I, I imagine that Paddy Russell said, look, I need you guys to really scream and, and ham it up because we need to make the death scenes mm-hmm. to be. And they're all very screechy, even from the beginning when Scarman, you know, when you see the flash of green in his face. Yeah. Or when um, the, uh, I don't know who he is. I think he's either uh, like the sort of groundsman or a local farmer, but when he gets crushed between two of the mummies, <laughs> You know, he gives what a way to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and also the mummies—they look really good. The design of those guys, and they the, do. Yeah, the, so it's it's all great stuff. Um, however, I don't feel it's like I don't feel it's as good as a few um, sort of classic stories. However, it's definitely up there. I'd say it's definitely in my top ten for sure for me. I wouldn't say my top five, but it's definitely up there. And it's just yeah, I think it's a cracking story. Very very good. Mm. I think we're on the same page there, mate. Yeah, because I do, that's the thing. I do think it's a great story. Um, it's just, it's not one of those, it's not filled with action, is it? I mean, it's no. got loads of great scenes in it, loads of great moments. Um, and it is quite well paced, actually. I think I thought in my head that the pacing was a bit slow in places. And it's interesting that you say it was one of the first, if not the first, that you, classic that you watch, because a lot of people, say that this is you know this is a good one to give people to introduce them to doctor who mm-hmm. and i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't pick either this no, no. Yeah. but it's interesting because i mean if, if it was one of your first there must have been enough in there to grab you and you know pull you in so but no i, I, I as much as i love it and as much as i really thought it was good i wouldn't yeah it wouldn't be the one that i'd pick if if somebody said oh i've never watched classic doctor who mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't think of this one i think there are better stories that you know for a first time watch it but but yeah but it is a great story isn't it i mean the actual storyline itself is yeah overall is is brilliant and like you said sutek is a great um you know a great character um i think he's brilliant you know gabriel wolf as sutek is brilliant because he's got the voice and he looks scary even when his eyes light up and stuff like that but i also think tom really helps to sell the scary side of sutek because tom's really Sorry, well, the Doctor, the Fourth Doctor is really terrified of Sutek in this. And Tom acts that brilliantly, doesn't he? Like, he's really trying to get it through to um, uh, Lawrence Scarman, you know, the brother, and Sarah Jane. Yeah, like, there, yeah. he's like, you two have got to realise this guy means business. We're not messing around. You know, he's re- the Doctor's really sort of trying to hammer home how dangerous Sutek is throughout this whole story. And I think that also works on the audience. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
because he's yeah. constantly saying, guys, don't you realize what this guy's going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where he even takes them forward in the future, doesn't he, at one point? To, That's awesome, that bit. To an alternative yeah. 1980 and shows them, this is what's going to happen if Sutek yeah. uh, wins. And they're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And that, you're right, it is a great scene because they don't, they don't often do that in Doctor Who, do they? I think once or twice he may have done that. But it's really interesting because Sarah's sort of saying what we would probably say to yes. the doctor is uh well yeah. i know that doesn't happen because i'm from the 80s so how you know so it can't happen he can't win and the doctor's like there's lots of different universes this you know if he does win this is the this is 1980 sarah and mm-hmm. it sort of brings it home to her yes also yep. to us as a viewer and so yeah I, again i just think it helps to make sutik uh even more scary if you like so that that's in in terms of writing i think is brilliant yeah, it's really cool, and that, that's why I like Sutek as as a as a villain because mm-hmm. he does have this very uh, sort of foreboding uh, sort of storyline about him. He, you know, he's obviously a very powerful, uh, yeah, like I said, this kind of godlike uh, figure, and he mm-hmm. doesn't really get taken too seriously because on a few levels, because you have the Egyptian guy who's uh, who's in the the, the mansion at the Scarman's mansion at the beginning. And yeah. um, when uh, Dr. Warlock turns up, is it? Yeah. Dr. Warlock Dr. turns Warlock. up. He's not buying any of it, is he? He's like, I don't be ridiculous. You know, he's sort yeah. of, you know, <laughs> dismisses the, the entire thing. And then like you say, Sarah Jane, you know, and, um, and Lawrence Scarman, they're just, you know, they don't really take it. They don't see the full threat and the full effect. Uh, and that's why I like it because you've got Sutek who's sort of masterminding the whole thing and pushing it all through. And you do think to yourself, you know, if you guys don't sort of put your foot down, you know, and get this sorted out, it's going to, and that's why he takes them to the alternate future, which is really cool. I love that scene. It is a great scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's really, really good. What did you think to, okay, so it is as a classic story over four parts, because you said that initially, the last time you watched it, you thought it was a bit slow and it was, there was some padding. Um, I remember, yeah, all the stuff in the forest that, you know, there's a lot of sort of hiding and creeping around. Right, right. It seemed to go on quite long, I remember thinking. And it does, it does. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I still stand by that. I still think that, but but then I found it a bit more atmospheric this time, if you know what I mean. I right. thought, okay, no, it's good. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel the same. It's especially episode two. Episode two for me is the slowest um, just because there is a lot of that because the mummies have been sent out, haven't they, and they're sort of patrolling the grounds and then you've got they go out to um Lawrence Garman's little house out in the woods somewhere mm. um and you have um Clements who's the guy with the rifle who's been out hunting rabbits and so on he's kind of creeping about as well and yeah so that, I know what you mean there is a bit of sort of hide and seek going on for a little while there's a lot of back and forth you see that's that's what yes. kind of didn't sit hundred uh, percent me the first time because I was thinking okay they go back to back to Lawrence's house back to the mansion back to Lawrence's house it just I was thinking you know there's a lot of back and forth like you said a bit of hide and seek and the gardener guy or whatever that gets crushed into mummies that that felt like it went on a bit too long for me like you know when he finally gets crushed I was thinking oh blimey that was ages ago they've been looking for him for hours you know it's not re- it's a bit of a nitpick but you know I just felt sometimes the pacing could have been picked up a little. Um, but yeah. it depends what mood I'm in, really. I mean, I was quite happy watching it yesterday. It didn't bother me, but I don't know. The, the first time I watched it, I was just thinking, God, it's a bit slow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's, um, when I first watched it, I thought, well, this is just how classic Who is. 
yeah you know it's just this um it's it's not about the the fast edits and the the quick uh humor and action and cinematic feel it's more about and, and i remember when i before i started watching classic who i did read a few articles about classic who in general and pretty much all of them said because i remember just googling something like um you know best classic who stories or something like that and there was about four or five articles and in all of them it had the usual stuff so this genesis caves of Androzani, you know all the remembrance that you know the ones that are normally voted you know very highly but i remember reading a few articles also a couple of youtube videos way back and i can't remember who did them now but they did say that one thing to bear in mind with most of classic who especially four parts and upwards is that they weren't they weren't designed and weren't made to be binged watched you know they're not true they were meant to be you know each week you watch an episode they weren't meant to be back to back four episodes together so yeah. that is something that you do have to keep in mind when we do watch or anyone watches these on dvd is that they were actually produced and written and made in that serial nature where you have your cliffhanger which are normally pretty good and then you left waiting for a week so you're thinking, oh, wow, I can't wait to, you know, seven days to go past and I can, you know, pick up the story. So I do keep that in mind as well. So when we do talk about things like slow pacing and character building and, you know, do have to bear that in mind. However, it does pick up as we get towards the end. You know, it does start to ramp up when um, Scarman returns mm. and um, and then they set up the... Uh, the, the tent outside the house and then because the doctor's got his sort of plan that he's devised at that point and Sarah's got the rifle and then Sutex on his way and so you no know, so it does kind of pick up and gather a little bit of steam um but I wouldn't say it slows down too much but it does have those sort of lulls like you say no it's a good point about the episode as well because maybe that's why I enjoyed it more this time is because I watched two and two whereas the last time I watched it straight from start to finish mm. So that might be, like you said, maybe that, that helped just breaking it up. Because, you know, yesterday when I got back from work, I was, you know, really up for sort of putting it on, if you know what I mean. It wasn't like, oh, all right, I've got to watch the next two episodes of that now. <laughs> it was just like, right, let's get this on and see what's going you know. So it, it probably did help just breaking it up slightly. Yeah. But I was yeah. quite happy to watch two and two. I think that, that worked brilliantly, actually. Yes. I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I did. I watched two and two this time because sometimes i'm quite happy to just sit there and and smash through classic who i i I personally for me i don't really mind binge what even some of the slower stories Mm. um i mean even dare i say it you know the war games which is you know a lot of sort of back and forth and yeah capture and escape and you know i i can happily sit through the war games you know it's no problem um but i would imagine if we're saying to people you know if you haven't checked out classic who before then you know just try not don't expect to be you know on a roller coaster of a ride for two hours Mm. you know it's definitely more about story building and character yeah building and so on um okay so what did you think to um some of the cast members in this thing because i mean story wise overall it's a fairly easy simple story um across the four parts it's essentially um sutek has been or his uh equivalent um, uh, uh, or something. Was it the eye of something? The eye of Horus? Eye of Horus. Yeah, has been discovered. Is that right? In the tomb in, in Egypt, um, which then opens up uh, the the 
portal or the whatever to Mars, where Sutek is in is captured. He's in prison by Horace himself. Or himself. I assume it's Mars, yeah, because that was the only thing I've never quite got my head around is where Sutek actually is. He's um, on that's Mars. That's the only thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. assumed it was Mars. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's on. He's imprisoned by Horace on Mars in a pyramid of his own. Um, but then through Scarman, you know, he's setting up this um, thing so that he can be released and, you know, like it said, you know, kill everything in the, in the cosmos, essentially. And it's just about the Doctor and Sarah Jane and Lawrence Scarman um, stopping the stopping that from happening. So it's a fairly simple premise. Yeah. Um, and then, but the, it's got a fairly decent supporting cast as well. So there's three or four main characters who are sort of going through the motions along with the doctor and Sarah Jane. So what did you think to, um, the, the Scarman brothers then? So, um, Marcus, who's the guy that gets zombified, mm. comes back looking very kind of Christopher Lee, hammer horror ish. <laughs> Yeah, throughout the rest of the story, um, and then his brother Lawrence, who's the sort of the weakling little brother. Yeah. Um, what did you reckon to those guys? I, I I like both actually. I think um, I think uh, Bernard Archard is that you say his name is is great as the sort of zombified Scar, uh, Marcus Scarman. Mm-hmm. Um, he does because he looks like you said he just looks really pale and ill, and uh, it's great when he gets that you know, gets shot and we have that reverse bullet um, coming out of him and stuff. I just think he's, he's he just looks creepy. Uh, I think, it, you know, it's good casting for him. But uh, to be honest, I particularly like um, Lawrence. I like Michael Shear, you see. I think he's a great actor. Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, you know, you were saying he's a bit sort of whiny stuff, but I just think it's really sweet that he <laughs> just won't accept that, um, you know, that's not his brother. And it's it's brilliant the way that the Doctor just... I mean, it's, again, it's um, it's interesting seeing this again yesterday because there's scenes where, like, the Doctor's really sort of bringing home that he's not human. He even says it at one point, doesn't he? Yes. And that sort yeah. of um, ties in a lot with the way that he talks to Lawrence, you know, uh, because you sort of feel sorry for Lawrence because if you put yourself in his position, he's just, you know, it's his brother that's been sort of turned into a zombie. Um, and he's naturally just can't accept it and quite upset about it. And the doctor's very <laughs> abrupt with him, isn't he? Yes. He's like, it's yeah. to the point that he's shouting at him. So that is not your brother. Get a grip sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and then the Sarah's like, you know, sometimes you don't seem, and he's like, what human? Well, I'm not. And, you know, and it's sort of like, so that sort of reminds me of what they did a bit with Capaldi of just showing the alien side, oh, right, the sort of, right. the sort of, um, you know, the sort of, I've just got to get on with things, otherwise you're all going to be wiped out. I haven't got time to be sentimental sort of side of the Doctor, mm-hmm. which I thought was good because, um, you know, it's not, I, off the top of my head, it's not often that Tom's Doctor sort of hammers that home. From, yes. From what, yeah. Yeah. So, but he does particularly say it in this. But yeah, I, I just thought he, it worked very nicely with Michael Sheard's um, character of Lawrence, that, you know, that he was just almost annoying the doctor to the point, but you almost felt sorry for him, uh, for Lawrence, because, you know, it was his brother that had been taken over sort of thing. And it's quite harsh when he gets killed by his own brother. I know, is it, does he get killed by his own brother he or does, does he get killed yeah. by a mummy? Oh no, he tells the mummy to, to That's right. Him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you do, I sort of felt sorry for him at that point because the doctor's quite cold when he discovers his body as well, isn't he? Yes. He just sort of comes in and says, oh, he's he's gone. We've got to get on with things. Mm-hmm. I haven't got time to, to mourn him sort of thing. And that's quite cold, I thought. But, 
Yeah, but no, I, I like both, mate. I thought they both did a good good job in their in their roles, and I'm I'm just just always love it when Michael Sheard's in Doctor Who because he pops up. Well, he <laughs> pops up in our review app last week, didn't he? He's the headmaster, headmaster. in yep. in Remembrance, yeah, and um, he's in a couple of Doctor Who's, isn't he? he so is. yeah, I yeah. always always like him when he pops up. No, he's like good. Different roles, yeah. Yeah, he's good, and yeah, I quite like the contrast between the two. I mm. like that even before you see. Uh, Marcus Scarman as the as the zombie Scarman. Um, even 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 when he sort of you know with the the Egyptian helpers he has, they sort of run away when they see oh you know, yeah the eye and they're yeah. all petrified and he's just like ah oh, stupid you know he just sort of <laughs> yeah. cracks on so you can tell yeah yeah even in that little scene there you can tell that he's quite a strong minded you know strong character, whereas Lawrence seems to me he's the sort of younger looks needs a bit more looking after yeah you know likes his cup of tea and slippers you know whereas marcus seems to be wants to get his hands to that's how i perceive no it's nice so yeah it's a nice contrast you're right yeah, yeah. so i like that the, the the writing you know that's just robert holmes though he writes very good mm. very good supporting cast characters um pretty consistently so i like those two and he's really good as the the very cold robotic zombified marcus throughout the rest of the story after that he plays mm-hmm. that and it, it does have that sort of hammer horror vibe to it yeah definitely you know yeah. even like the makeup and the way he's playing it it does have that really old british the way hammer. He looks and everything yeah, yeah that's right yeah, yeah so does. i was yeah very happy with those um with those guys performance throughout pretty much and uh i, I found lawrence to be quite funny in a couple of scenes like when the doctor's mm-hmm. in his house and he's got the the um the little uh uh, Marconiscope, um, you know, because he's built his own. Oh, the little, little the, yeah, Marconiscope yeah. thing, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I found that really funny because the doctor obviously knows what it is and all about, and he's just baffled. He's like, "How could you possibly know, you know, what it is?" And he's because mm. it's almost like taking a companion, a new companion who we normally go through an episode or a story or two to sort of get them up to speed. It's almost like trying to do that, but condensed down into a couple of parts of a single story because, you yeah. know, he has to get his head around who the doctor is. Cause he even says, you know, who, who are you people? And she's like, well, I'm from 1980 and he, you know, he doesn't believe it. And she's just like, well, you know, she's, I can't say anything else. It's the truth. And yeah. so we almost have to go through that rigmarole of getting him up to speed about who they are, what they're doing. It's bigger on the inside. You know, we have to go through all that stuff, but in a very yeah. short amount of time. So I like that kind of fast track, companion-ish getting him up to speed yeah because uh, he gets to go in the TARDIS doesn't he does. for that little trip as well and he's yeah he's quite impressed he is uh, yes. by the set and everything but yeah no they, they are good characters it's um it's quite sad I think when he dies I think you can sort of see it coming but this is quite a sort of um I mean I, I love this era of Doctor Who because it's not afraid to go a bit dark um and mm. there is there is a, quite a few deaths in this actually like the gardener being crushed and oh yeah and stuff yeah. and um and also, uh, what's his name? That guy who gets... That's a really harsh scene, actually. Um, what's the character's name? Ahmed, is it? The one who gets sort of... The, 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 you know, the guy puts his hands on his shoulders oh, yeah. and Ahmed. burns him to death. Yeah. On the, and just, you know, just throws him to the side. And I thought, wow, that's... Gosh, that's harsh. Yes. Uh, it, it's actually... Yeah. It's 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 uh, mummified Scarman, isn't it? But in a... He's sort of got a weird outfit on when he comes through the mummy portal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's quite a horrific scene, I thought, um, <laughs> for the time that he was made. But, I mean, it's a great scene, though, isn't it? 
It's but really it's just, good. But yeah. I almost like, even though even though um, Ahmed's not a particularly likable character. In fact, he's quite the opposite. He's a bit of a villain, isn't he? Even though he's not very nice, you sort of think, oh blimey, <laughs> you know, what a way to go. <laughs> and also, the the poor old um, Butler guy gets killed as well, didn't he? Doesn't he? Which I'd forgotten about. He gets knocked off. Um, I always think of him as like the butler from To the Manor Born, but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what the character's name is, but you know what I mean. Yes, I know who he you gets, mean. Uh, yes. He gets discovered dead on the floor, and I was like, oh no, not Ned. That's not the character name, but you know, not <laughs> whoever he is. Not, not the butler guy. But um, yeah, so it's quite, it's quite dark in tone, isn't it? It you is, know, like a lot yeah. of the Hinchcliffe era, and uh, you know, I say that in a good way, not a bad mm-hmm. way. You know, I think it, I think they got the balance right. It's it's horrific, but it's not too, you know, it's not like some of the Colin Baker era where I just think it's very gratuitous, right? Like right. a Cyberman being shot at point blank range mm-hmm. with the camera as close as it can get to the, you know, it's not gratuitous, um, dark. I don't think. I think they just got the balance perfectly right. Like you said, a bit of Hammer horror thrown in, you know. In, a bit gritty in places and just just right i think in the philip hinchcliffe era yeah no totally agree completely agree and it is i really like that scene as well because the effect mm. is done as a physical effect yeah it's done pretty well because you see the smoke sort of coming out of his feet and his boots and stuff and yeah yeah so it's done pretty well I mean, it's, those sort of th- things were relatively dangerous back then mm. you know so um but it's quite horrific though it's pretty good I, uh, yeah. I know Mary Whitehouse would not have approved. She not would not approved. agree with me. Um, but uh, no, I think they got the line just right. It's it's horrific. It gets the point across, but it doesn't, to me, cross the line. You yeah. know, it's, it's good stuff. No, um, I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that in the story, when they land at the mansion <laughs> or whatever, it's the Priory. Priory, um, yeah. It's supposed to have been built, you know, they, they make a reference to Unit HQ being built on, the, um, on that site. Because yes. obviously at the end it gets burnt down mm-hmm. um which has always been part of history so that's quite it's just i just love the fact that came full circle like so this burns down and unit hq gets built on this i thought that's quite cool although i think some people say it messes with continuity or something i'm not sure but but i really liked that didn't you i thought oh, that's a really cool idea so they're in unit hq many years ago yeah you know yeah. and we're seeing it before it burnt down i thought that was really cool although as you alluded to earlier the location was actually um where, where was it, it was this uh, it was actually owned by Mick Jagger, wasn't it? The real. It was, yeah. It was over place. in Hampshire Some... somewhere. Uh, yeah. The Star, Star Manor. Stargrave Estate. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to go there, but of course it's a private, it's a private house, isn't yeah. it? So you can't go, but I'd love to love to go to that location. But um, so yeah, so Mick Jagger owned it at the time, but although I don't think he was there. Can you imagine him doing his moves? <laughs> behind the, I got a mummy. Moves like mummy. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool to think that he was living there at the time or, or owned it at the time. But yeah, I can't. Um, it's imagine. a good location though, isn't it? Works well. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's great. It's um. Yeah, and it doesn't have that sort of clean cut. It's a bit rough around, like all the window frames yeah. are a little bit, you know, it's got that cool uh, kind of, not run down, but, you know, a working house. A working house, because they yeah. on the DVD, they've got a then and now, and they go back to it, and it's like been really, it's all been renovated, and it looks pristine now. Uh, but uh, I like you, I prefer it in the, <laughs> you know, I prefer it back in the 70s, and it just has a bit more character to it. It looks a bit more, like you say, lived in. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, and it's cool that we see uh you know lots of the outside shots as well because I imagine they f- did film it in the grounds, you know, it does seem yeah. um fairly consistent. 
Um, and the studio sets are are quite good as well. It's uh, I imagine because yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm going to say that they didn't film inside the house. Like when we go into like the main hall where Ahmed's playing the organ and we see the sarcophagus that you know things come through the portal you know that large area there yeah i'm gonna say that's a set i'm pretty sure it is it definitely is i think on the on the production notes they say something about if you look at the height of the windows when they're staring through outside and like when they step into the set inside it's they literally step in and they're just like there's no way they could have really done that from <laughs> right, there. so right. no it's definitely a set i don't think they quite quite got it right and but you'd never notice that it's only because it's pointed out on the on the production subtitles if you know what i mean yeah. so yes yeah, but it is impressive it does look great hmm. um it does look really good uh what do you think of the the mad organ music because i remember <laughs> the first time i watched this thinking it was a bit too much but i kind of liked it um on a rewatch yeah, yeah. but it is mad isn't it i mean it's is cra- and it really ramps up and it goes on for quite a while at the start doesn't it but it, it is a does. bit mad that's that's another aspect that is very hammer horror because yeah i mean and i'm glad that they filmed that stuff during the day and he gets interrupted because it would have been so cheesy and cliche to have him playing the organ at night in a storm with the lightning going on outside <laughs> that's a good point yeah. yeah so i'm glad that they did that during the day but yeah i think it's cool i mean when i first saw it i thought wow this is this is loud going on yeah. well, going on for a bit but um no i think it I don't know, there's something very gothic and horror-esque about a big organ being played in a in a big creepy house or mansion. It does definitely add to that sort of uh, sort of creepiness of the whole situation. You know? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, it doesn't really fit in with the Egyptian thing because, you know, you associate big organ playing with, like, you know, a typical um, sort of British hammer sort of thing so mm. yeah i'm not sure how it fits in with the egyptian guy sort of playing it but um but no i, I think it's great it's a great but did you think it was a bit much when you first watched it then? oh i did the first time i watched it i was just like god can we just turn that down a bit <laughs> <laughs> but no it, it's mad I, but i'll tell you what i do like on a rewatch is is um you know it's it, the way it zooms out of the mirror so you, you sort of, oh, yeah. the shot starts yeah. with the mirror on it and then it zooms out and i just thought oh, that's a nice little touch i mean the, you know kudos to, to director paddy russell just a, it's just a very simple idea isn't it because you're sort of thinking what are we looking at here the music starts and, yeah. and then yeah. just slowly pans out uh, yeah it does it's, it's fine but i wouldn't want the soundtrack of it <laughs> to be honest i wouldn't want yeah i wouldn't be playing that nah, unless no, i wanted you? to yeah 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 so i'm i'm wondering how um how Paddy's relationship would have been with the doctor at this point. Um, because, well, you know, she did say on. that, you know, there was a little bit of, um, <laughs> a little bit of, uh, not sort of bad blood, if you like, but there was a little bit of the character going to his head, like she said a little bit, because this was back in what, um, what was it? Tom's third or fourth. Uh, uh, season 13. So whatever. Yeah. So his second series. Second, yeah. yeah. So I'm just wondering at this point if he was still, you know, sort of getting into, or, or, or if at this point, because it is quite a common thing to say about Tom. This is not the first time we've heard people say that he was a nightmare to work with and, mm. you know, the sort of creativeness that he, you know, he wanted to put forward had kind of gone to his head a little bit. And when directors said, you know, I want you to do this, he'd very much say, absolutely not. You know, I, I'm, this is how the doctor would do it and I will do it this way because I'm the doctor. And so I'm just wondering at this point in his second series, whether Paddy 
did have any problems with me because it wasn't until um, another two series on uh, when she's doing horror fang rock with him that he at that point had been very obstinate. Mm. Well, like. I would, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall mm. when she asked him to get into the mummy costume because apparently on the on the making of or on the production subtitles, whatever it is, it says he he really didn't want to do it. He was just like, well, I, well, I don't need to get in the costume. Like no one's going to know it's not me in there. And apparently, Paddy Russell was like insisted. Right. She's like, but your mannerisms, even though we can't see your face, your mannerisms will come through. Mm-hmm. So I want you to do it. And apparently there was a real, you know, he really, really didn't want to get in that <laughs> costume. And, it, and to make matters worse, apparently it was really uncomfortable. Um, he came out with loads of um, scratches because it was sort of, you had to wear a frame or something. So he came out of it all scarred. And, I, you know, I can imagine that didn't go down <laughs> well at all. But it's weird because I think Paddy was right. Because when Sarah walks around the corner with the doctor dressed as the mummy, I, I don't know. You kind of, you do kind of know it's Tom. He kind of sort of stomps round and the way he moves. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I think she had a point. Mm, I think yeah. it's good that he did do it. But yeah, no, apparently he really kicked off about that. He did not want to, to get mummified. Right. No, <laughs> in no, the slightest. I, yeah, you can so, see. And you can and also I, see in your mind, can't you? Tom sort of kicking off about it. And... Well, I'm just wondering <laughs> if it had been a couple of years later she probably wouldn't have got him in that costume then from what she's, you know, from what we've read. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling if this was in series, you know, series, uh, 15, for example, like horror fan rock. Um, yeah, she may not have got Tom in that costume <laughs> by that point. So it's interesting, isn't it? But yeah, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall at that point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what did you think to actually, before we get on to Warlock, Dr. Warlock, um, what did you think to the mummies, by the way? Their overall design and oh, I think they yeah. look great. I agree with you. I think they look really great. I prefer them without their gold paint job that they oh, get. Oh, the they're souped up. I mean, they still look yeah the, the, the blinged disco up versions. mummy, yeah. but uh, blinged up mummy. Um, I prefer them just you know standard. I think they they're just so simple but so effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like their faces because you can't see their eyes and stuff. Yeah, it just makes them feel a bit more ominous and a bit more threatening to me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but they're really huge as well. Like the costumes were, like you said, let's put this frame on and yeah, they're like upper torsos, like massive, like really wide and big mm. and muscly it looks like. But no, they look really cool. I love the design. Yeah, they they yeah. look proper scary as well. Like if you walk around the corner and saw that thing sort of slowly coming towards you, they, they're, they are menacing, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Warlock then, the very, very forward uh, character mm. at the beginning who demands to see Marcus Scarman and what's going on and he's done his own inquiries and he's on the ball and he gets yeah. wiped out fairly quick though, doesn't he? Don't you remember me? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, I quite like the character. He's a, he's a little bit pointless though, but I guess he's just there to emphasize that, you know, all is not well and you yes. know, that Marcus yeah. has been gone for a while. And so he does have a point, I suppose, but no, I, I quite like him. I'm glad he's in it. He doesn't, as I said, he doesn't really, um, get a lot to do before he's wiped out but it is quite funny when he's just coming in and like i'm not having any of this you know he's <laughs> one of those like you said a bit like one of those characters you get back in classic doctor who which i suppose we don't really get so much of now which is that quintessential sort of british no 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 i'm not having any of this nonsense kind of stuff and <laughs> I, I quite like it when we get little characters come in like this so 
Yeah, I quite like Doctor Warlock. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. He doesn't really progress the story much in mm. in any way, and he's just sort of there to yeah to sort of emphasise the fact that you know something is something is afoot. Yeah, something is afoot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so yeah, I agree. Uh, what about uh, Clements? Then the I can't I can't figure out if he's a neighbour or if he's a groundsman or if he lives. Sort of, they don't really allude. Is to. he a poacher? He could be. Yeah, it could be a poacher. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he obviously says very little other than core blimey or something or that's right yeah whatever and then he gets crushed in between the two it's a good i mean it's a good scene though isn't it it's a good it's one of those sort of moments that um you know there are certain moments from the story that every time i put it on i'm just waiting for them uh that's one of them (laughs) you know i'm always waiting for the 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 deaf mummy crush um i'm always waiting to see if i can spot the hand holding suitex cushion i'm always (laughs) waiting for for the scene where the doctor takes sarah to 1980 destroyed earth so there are little moments you know like that which um you know i just always look out for and uh, yeah it's a great scene so again although he doesn't bring anything story-wise i think he's it's a good moment yeah although through his character we do get to see the the deflection invisible deflection barrier that's around everything because we have some oh that's true yeah cracking little acting skills there as he tries to (laughs) you know because he sort of runs into an invisible wall and gets knocked back doesn't he and that's true a little bit of mime artistry going on there but (laughs) yeah it's quite good okay what did you think to um ahmed then our egyptian friend who gets killed i thought he was good actually i thought he was good as i said he's i thought he was in it a lot more than he is i thought that as well yeah yeah oh did you yeah Yeah. because um he gets killed off the end of episode two Two, isn't isn't it it? yes yeah and i thought oh i I sort of saw saw him as more of a main villain than he actually is but Mm. uh yeah i thought his performance was quite good he just comes across as a you know not particularly nice piece of work uh, and i think he, he does it well so and I, you know the whole look and everything got going on i think really works you mm. know he's, he's not like a pantomime villain I, I think he's better than that so you know i think he's quite good in it yeah 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 i, like well, I thought he was and in as it i said more. horrific mm. death yeah i thought he was in it more i don't know why but yeah yeah no horrific death very good a good way to go yeah yeah okay what about our our friend Sutek. Brilliant. Gabriel Wolf. Yeah. Providing the voice, and I assume he's in the costume. I think so. Yeah. Uh, really, really good voice work. Just that yes. real. Amazing. Um, uh, I don't know, he just provides this big, booming kind of threatening, you know, no nonsense. Yeah. He's almost like a, he's almost like a Bond villain, but, you know, in a sort of sci-fi uh, setting because he's got this real master plan ironed out. He knows exactly mm. what needs to be done, and uh, he doesn't take any prisoners. Not afraid to kill people off, and yeah, just his voice work though. His voice is awesome because he went on to do the voice of um, the uh, the creature, didn't he, in the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit? Oh yeah, was he? He was the big Satan monster at the end, wasn't it? I didn't realize that till quite recently, actually. Yeah, he was. Um, he provided again brilliant voice work. Mm. Um, yeah, so he's just got this, uh, I don't know, this really unsettling, calm, but threatening voice. I don't know, it's just really good performance. Yeah, no, I like it. And I mean, I, I love the design of the, the mask and, you know, the, his whole look, I think, goes with that voice. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I like the, like the design of the 
the head mask and all that. And it, I mean, his costume is quite simple apart from that. It's just black with a few red bits. Yeah. <laughs> You've read the uh, shoulder pads, but, but he does look good. He I looks think. awesome. And yeah. When he's terror, when he's um, torturing the doctor as well, he's quite nasty, isn't he? Again, Tom really sells that. I think Yeah, as well, yeah. those scenes like when he's got the green light shining on him, Tom looks like he's, he's really shrieking isn't he? he really does that. Well, I think, you know, oh, yeah, you, you, you really believe yeah. he's in pain. I mean, he's not obviously, but you think, oh, you know, Sutek's a bit of a, you know, he's a bit of a meanie. <laughs> he is a <laughs> so, meanie, yeah, yeah. He is good. And like you said, the voice is superb. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't too sort of blown away by when we see Sutek's sort of natural form, you know, when his mask's off and we see that big sort of dog or cat-like Oh, that weird... Because um... it's the same face that Sarah Jane sees in the TARDIS yeah. at the beginning. It's Is it a jackal? A jackal, that's it, yeah. It's a typical <laughs> ancient Egyptian uh, kind of head. I wasn't too blown away. I don't know, just the sculpt, everything looks a bit messy and... I suppose, yeah, I guess they, because uh, of the time it was on screen, they probably didn't go to town on it. They probably thought, oh, we're only going to see it for a second. I don't know, I'm mixed about that because I kind of like it. It's but okay. I know what you're saying, yeah. it, it doesn't... It, it don't, you don't look at it and go, oh, that's really creepy and horrible. You just sort of look at it and go, hmm. So I prefer Sutek with his mask. I, I would agree with you on that, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I prefer the mask. The mask looks really good. Yeah. This, to me, just looks like they sort of went into a school and said, right, here's some paper mache materials. Make us a an ancient <laughs> Egyptian head. And that's what the kids come up with. And I'll tell yeah. you what, so I just what you've mentioned school there, which I've just got to um, say this because it was brilliant. On the making of, of this... Um, there is a school next to the location and all the kids come to visit the, the you know, the filming mm. one day, but it was the day that Tom was dressed as the mummy. So there's this brilliant picture of all the school kids with the mummy sat right in front of the camera with all the kids behind him. Oh, and apparently right. they yeah. didn't know it was Tom. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then he finally took the head off and they're like, Oh wow, it's the doctor. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's, so that's cool. But even cooler than that is the next day, Tom goes into the school in full Doctor Who gear, saying, uh, you come to visit me at work, now I'm coming to visit you at school. And apparently, as a present, he took him the um, pyramid. You know, the, what you called it a tent earlier, the the thing that they have outside, the oh, pyramid yeah, tent. Yeah, yeah. He took him that, that thing oh, and, cool. and said, oh, you can have this. So somewhere in that school, I shouldn't think they have it anymore because they haven't got to do these. They, they, they had that, that massive thing. I think it was that. I'm sure it was that. But I just thought, just, you know, amazing to think of all that going on back in the day. Oh, brilliant. You know, just yeah. what, a, what a great thing to do. And just that's what I love about Tom. I know he might have been difficult um, at times. And, you know, maybe he did get a bit too big for his boots towards the end of stuff. Okay. But he still was just, you know, still brilliant when you hear stories like that of him going into the school and just being the doctor. And I bet those kids just absolutely loved it, you know. So, yeah, that's why I love Tom, you know. He's not even when bad, I hear, is he? No, even when I hear <laughs> stories of this, that and the other, I just love Tom. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so Sutek doing the business. Mm. Uh, what do you reckon to Sarah Jane and and the doctor in this? And I think that Sarah Jane's pretty she's just i don't know she's got this really cool calm she's also quite funny in this one she is yeah um and she's absolutely found her feet by now she's really mm. sort of rocking as as the companion and and the doctor's really strong as well he's got some cracking scenes in this there's some lovely lines in it, isn't there? I, mean, I think this is one of the things that brought the story up from my original okay thinking it was overrated because there are some great scenes between 
um, Tom and Liz. And there's some lovely lines. There's some really nice humor. Um, there's that great scene at the start where Tom's being all broody. He's like, I walk in eternity. And she's like, yeah, you soon be middle-aged and all that. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the it bats. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just reminds me why I love them uh, together. All that stuff. Yeah, all the bants. Yeah. And she's great when they've got to be serious. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, the, together they are fantastic. And you, like you said, Sarah gets good stuff to do in it. She's, it, you know, the bit where she's throwing like the gel ignite, for example. Uh -huh. And yeah. he catches it and he's like, do you realize you could set this off by sneezing? And she's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe somebody, yeah, I don't know. There's so many great scenes between the two of them in this. Um, again, it really brought the story up for me on a rewatch. I just thought these two are just electric together on screen. They're mm. so, so good together. Um, both of them just, just fantastic in it, really. Yeah, no, I concur. I think the, the relationship and, and the, the little quips between them are so good in this. Yeah. Um, yeah, we also have this uh, interesting opening as well because in the once we see the the opening scenes done with with Scarman, it then cuts to the TARDIS and we see this sort of moody intro from Tom where he's got his hat mm. on and he sort of looks up slowly. Looks up, yeah. And it's a bit dramatic, but then Sarah Jane just sort of diffuses all that with a bit of humour and you know you generally don't see that. You normally see the Doctor sort of tinkering with the TARDIS or they're doing something, but he's he's just standing there looking very broody and thoughtful broody. and mm. yeah. And, uh, he's obviously a lot on his mind at that point. Cause he's quite philosophical. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but like you, I love the way Sarah has none of it. It's a bit like the beginning of brain of Morbius where he's thrown a right old tantrum. She's just like, Oh, you, you know, just, she just doesn't, you know, doesn't pander to him. Does she Sarah no, Jane? No. She just, like you said, she'll just come out with some funny quip and, put him in his place and move on. And that's, that's what I just love about them. I think they're so good together. They are. You know? Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you want to mention before we get on to our there was, scores? There was just something I wanted to ask you actually. And just one thing that struck me, because again, if you'd have asked me before I'd rewatched it, I remember thinking episode four had, um, with all the puzzles and stuff, I remember thinking, uh, you know, is that filler? Is that, you know, cause there's this great build up, And then, <laughs> cause I'm, I'm thinking back to the, the Pertwee Dalek story where it is filler. Um, the one we reviewed recently, because I get confused with all the Pertwee ones. It's the one where they go into the white futuristic building and then there's that maze on the floor. And is it deaf? Deaf to the Daleks? And, you know, there's a, there's a bit of filler oh, yes. where they're doing yep. all the puzzles and yep. it's clearly filler. And when I rewatched this yesterday, I didn't think this was filler. I actually thought it worked really well. Because there's a beautiful model shot of all these doors opening and the TARDIS at the end uh -huh. of it and stuff like that. So I actually really quite like the puzzle bit in episode four, right. which surprised me. Because I think in my head, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is where the episode just runs out of ideas. So they throw in a few puzzle games. And, and actually, it's, it's better than I thought. So I, I just wondered how you felt. If you felt it was uh, just a way to fill up episode four, or if you, if you quite like the puzzle stuff. Yeah, I didn't mind it because it didn't go on mm. for too long. Didn't go on too long. Yeah. yeah. They're only in, what, two or three chambers. Um, and while the puzzles themselves, I had absolutely no clue yeah, as to what was going on. Mm. Um, There's a bit where he's measuring with his scarf and I was like, what? Yeah, that's, you know, that was a bit. And also, uh, what's that bit with the mummy? If I was to ask him the question, would you? I was a bit lost there as well. Yeah. And, but I'm sure it works, but yeah. And the set was a bit, you know, you could just tell it's that silver electric tape, you know, that's meant to run look out like, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. It's all cool. But yeah, I didn't mind it mm. too much because it didn't go on for, for too long. 
No, no, it was all right. Yeah. yeah. As I said, it was better than I than I remembered it, if you like. Same. I thought, okay, yeah. no, it's it's it still works, uh-huh. sort of thing. Um no, the only other thing I thought of, uh, on my notes is that the I thought the I think it's actually a photograph they say on the production. I thought it was a model shot. You know the 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 priory burning at the end. That's the oh, last yeah. shot to see. Yeah. I thought that looked really good mm. for the time. So that's really effective model. Because there is a bit where it blows up that doesn't look as good, which is a model. Yes. But I think somebody said that they went for a blown up photograph and backlit it and then set it on fire or something. And I just thought, wow, whatever they've done mm. yeah. for that end shot looks really good. Um and you know, again, just you know great that they went to to make that effort because they didn't even really need to do that but it, it just looks fantastic i think no it that, does that end yeah. shot looks really really good yeah really good yeah, I oh that. i tell you what i've just thought of one more thing yeah you saying about the puzzles and uh, another thing that paddy russell probably was rolling <laughs> her eyes at you know the bit where the doctor and and sarah jane walk in and then do an immediate 360 <laughs> because the mummy spots them yeah. like apparently trying to mimic the yeah. marx brothers yeah. now apparently they wanted to do that in rehearsal right and paddy russell said no no we don't need that yeah that's just yeah. just silly don't do that so they on the first take they don't do it right but there was a problem so they had to do a retake yeah. and apparently on the retake they did it and just and I'm so glad that they got away with it because I I love that little moment, but apparently Paddy Russell was <laughs> didn't want that. She thought it was a bit too silly, I think. But yeah. I'm glad they got away with it on a second take because I think it's a nice nice Doctor Sarah moment. Yeah, I was going to say it's a bit cheeky. It's very cheeky, isn't it? To to put that in knowing that they couldn't do the first take, so like, well, you know, we'll just throw it. Let's yeah, just do it anyway. It's hilarious yeah. though. It's it's yeah. so funny. It almost doesn't work because the mummy almost turns around a bit too soon and you think oh he's bound to see him but they just get away with it just yeah it's awesome yeah uh one thing i want to mention is the tardis set yet again oh right yeah why oh why did somebody not even just run a broom around (laughs) the tardis um it is even at this point i mean we're only into um what is it uh tom's second series and it just looks so bad. I mean, yeah. it's a g- good job it's not in it that much, the TARDIS set in this one. Um, but there's something stuck underneath the, uh, the on the back wall of the of the set. There's something stuck underneath. There's like a plastic tray or something that's jammed yeah. underneath the wall. And then... Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and then when the doors close at one point, you know, they're just all chipped and scuffed and... The yeah. floor looks terrible. It looks like there was a disco in there the night before. And <laughs> Perhaps that's why Tom's a bit hungover. At yeah, maybe, yeah. But it <laughs> yeah. just looks, I mean, I know that's part of, you know, the television back then. They didn't have time mm. and money to constantly reset all the, or redecorate all the sets and paint them fresh and all that. I understand that. But still, you know, they look just completely battered and, yeah. I, I, you know, I must admit, I didn't notice it so much on this story. I'll have to go back and look. I think it's because I quite like, that's a strange TARDIS set, isn't it? I think it's a repaint of the Masters from the Purple Year or something, because it's got that weird door at the back that's of right. it, which yeah. is not, I don't think they use it that much, this set. Um, but it is a weird set. Yeah, I, I hadn't noticed it was dirty. I mean, I noticed that the TARDIS prop itself looks like it's about to collapse and i think it probably is in a couple more stories time mm. um because it's weird because they light up the windows in this story don't That's they right. which they yeah. don't normally do mm-hmm. and i 
I don't think they should do it because you can see the actor's heads bobbing around That's his right. side. <laughs> um, but the TARDIS prop itself, I remember thinking, looked really battered. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't notice so much the door. I'll have to go back and it'll probably be really obvious um, when I go back and rewatch it. I think I was I was too distracted by the fact that they were using, you know, they were opening the doors and showing us outside the you know which they don't always do like normally yeah. the doors open and it's a black cloth and then they walk out and but in this one they actually sh- open the doors as if we're walking straight out onto the yeah, yeah you know onto the location and i thought i actually prefer it when they do that i don't know about you i always find the black cloth thing a bit weird i, I always think it's much better when they just open the doors and you know the outside yeah. is the outside i yeah. don't i think it works quite well it do, does mm. in this story particularly i think yeah, so, it does. yeah yeah so i think i was just too distracted by that to notice the the filth <laughs> yeah the yeah, honestly it's terrible it's hard, is yeah, it absolutely oh, terrible yeah, explain explains a lot that does yeah. uh nothing else really um i did want no. to ask um any of our viewers actually let us know especially our american friends um if anyone's seen this because they bbc america put out a series of dvds called uh the doctors revisited and they're only they're like region one i think is it region one the american yeah region one yeah. the american you can import them here um but they did this series called the doctors revisited and um they've got a, a story of of each doctor from hartnell trout and pertwee and baker and what they did was they I'm not sure if they did it for every story, but for Pyramids of Mars, they didn't do it as four... Well, they had two versions on there. They had the normal uh, separate four parts, but they also did a 16 by 9 widescreen version of all four parts in one shot. So, I mean, it's... I I just want to know if that's any... You know, I'm not saying I'm going to pick it up, but interested to see what people think of, of that format. Um, I didn't know that. It's interesting. Yeah. So personally, I think it's, you know, a bit of an abomination really because it wasn't mm. filmed in widescreen and all they've done, they haven't sort of refilled in the, the edges like you can do with certain uh, film stock. All they've done is they've stretched the image to fill the oh, widescreen. I don't think I'd like that. Yeah. And, and they haven't done it in four parts. It's just one feature. Mm. Um, apparently it's got a pretty good intro from Stephen Moffat. Um, but I would be interested to see if um, any of our <laughs> sold, yeah, any of our friends have seen it that way, mm. uh, especially our American listeners, and let us know what you think. That's interesting, mate. I had no idea that that existed. No. Um, while we're asking questions, I've got a real odd one actually. Um, I wasn't sure whether to mention this because it's so odd that I almost <laughs> sometimes think I imagined it, but I didn't. This is a real thing. Strap I remember- in. Come on, here we go. Yeah, come yeah. on. This is a this is well, this is something I would just love to have solved, actually, if anybody out there knows. Many years ago, my friend had the original issue of this on VHS when it was condensed into one long story, you know, right. when they sort of butchered them into yeah. cut loads out. Then he bought the new uncut VHS that they released a few years later. So he had both VHSs, one edited together, one the complete uncut with all the credits and everything. And I remember him saying to me one day, I've noticed something really odd. He goes, there's a scene, the scene where the doctor walks into the puzzle room. He's got this device in his hand. If you remember, it looks like a TV aerial or something or a car aerial thing. He says, now on one of the versions, and I can't, this is where the memory gets split on one of the videos. He's the gadget was different. It was almost as if it was a different take. He's like, watch, watch this. He walks in, look at what he's in his hand. I'm like, right. 
And then he says, now watch the, and he put the other video in. He says, now watch it again. And it's different. Now, again, my memory may be playing tricks. (laughs) Maybe it was something else in the take that was different. It might be the symbols on the wall, but, but my memory was that it was the gadget in his hand. Right. So when the DVD comes out, I'm expecting to find this alternative take or, or, or an answer. Cause we were really, you know, we used to love spotting things like this. Yes. Um, So we were always like, wonder why? Like, why is that different in one one version than the other? You know, I wonder why. And I've never, ever found the answer to this. In fact, I've never, ever seen it since, which is why I sometimes think, did I imagine it? But I didn't. I did not imagine it. It's, it's true because I, I, I've asked Johnny, my friend, since. I was like, oh, you know, remember that when we watched this? Oh, yeah, yeah. So if anybody out there knows... There is a scene, and I wish I could be more precise, but I'm talking probably 15 years ago, right. probably more, when we watched this. But there is a scene, and it's somewhere near the puzzle bit, where something was different between the two VHSs that we watched, the cut and the uncut version. Right, um, right. And it's nothing on the DVD, and I, mm. I just want to know that I'm not going mad uh, or madder. So if anybody out there knows or has ever noticed that, I'd love love you to get in touch and tell me. Because it's yeah. a real odd that's interesting, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that have, that know Somebody of this must or have seen know. it. Yeah. yeah. So do let us know. That's really interesting. It's yeah. Another thing that's interesting. It's been released a few times. This one. So it came out on on VHS and Betamax. Wow, well, Betamax. Um, wow. Back in 1985, as just one long feature, as you say. Then it was released in uh, as uh, episodic uh, format in 1994 on video. And then mm. it came out in on DVD in 2004. So 10 years later, it came out on DVD. Uh, then it was put as an extra on the Sarah Jane Adventures complete oh, box. Oh, it was a Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. So it was put on there. And then it came out again as this, uh, the Doctor's Revisited Volume 1 box set, the American, BBC America format. So it's actually been out four, five times across right. various different releases and formats. So there must be... Uh, you know, some of our listeners, either here or in the States, you know, wherever, that mm. know of these little things. Oddities. Oddities, yeah. yeah. So I'd be fascinated. It's, it, it's The only thing I can think of is the BBC replied, as, replied, supplied a slightly different edit for when they put it in episodic format. Mm. Well, next time I see John, I, I just want to, I would love to see it again because I can sort of remember it fairly clearly in my mind. But you know what it's like over the years, you know, you get muddled, and I can't remember exactly what it was we spotted. But there, I'm, I'm, that's what sticks in my mind that we were baffled by the, the fact it was something was different in between the two of them in the same scene. So, hopefully, someone out there will know what I'm waffling on about. And the next time I see Johnny, I'll, I'll ask him uh, if he's still got the both videos. But of course, none of us have got a video playing now. So, <laughs> but I would, I would love to see it again. I'd just love to see because it's, I'm sure there's nothing on the DVD about it. I'm sure there's not. I know because it's bugged anything. me ever no. since. It's bugged me ever since. Yeah. So That's... if anybody knows what I'm on about, <laughs> get in touch. Let us know. Yeah. Rightio scores then. Right. Let's go. Mm. Um, completely fresh because we didn't. I didn't give it a score properly. Oh, you before. didn't. Okay. Nope. Uh, so it's me to go first. I think. Yeah. I'm going to give this an eight point five. Ah. Snap. Oh, cool. I always think of the two doctors when I say that. Snap, snap. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah just showing you. 8.5. Ah, okay. That's exactly what I gave it. Yeah, it doesn't. It's very, very close to a nine, but not quite for me. I really like it, but yeah, 8.5. Yeah. 
Cool. Wanted our lovely listen sync. Let's um, do a couple of audio clips first. First one is George Puddy. Hello, Garen Adams. So, the Pyramids of Mars. I've never seen this story before, so, uh, yeah. Um, but before I get onto my review, I feel I must just pay tribute to uh, the absolute legend that is Dudley Simpson, who, um, uh, music in this story is great, by the way. Uh, rest in peace, Dudley. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I love the fourth Doctor's costume in this one. Tom Baker and Liz Layden's chemistry is brilliant. It has a very intriguing premise. I love the fourth Doctor in this one. Tom Baker puts him a great performance. The mummies are quite creepy, actually. Are quite creepy, actually. Parts one and two, though, are boring and nothing happens. But the fourth is a thrilling extravaganza. Sutek looks fantastic and is a, supu- a superb villain. Gabriel Wolf puts in a brilliant performance, and the confrontation between the Doctor and Sutek is masterful. So. I've never seen this story before, and I have to say it was a disappointment. Everybody says it's a classic, one of the best Doctor Who stories ever, and I just didn't feel it. Parts 1 and 2 and 3 were really boring, nothing happened, I struggled to hold my attention. And it's only to part 4 that something actually happens. Part 4 is amazing, but I just feel that it's not, didn't hold my attention as a story. Um, Sutek's brilliant in it though. I'm going to give this story a 7.5 on the level of something like The Unquiet Death from the new series. See you guys next week. Inter- Thank you, George. Interesting. Yeah, not a bad yeah. review there, mate. Thank you very much. I, I, can to- I do totally see where he's coming from, mate. That's what I was kind of saying earlier. I think it can feel slow if you're in, you know, I don't know. It depends mm. what mood you're in, I think. I know where you're coming from, George. Yes, it's definitely one of those stories where... If you lean more towards viewing classic who as sort of one a day or a couple and then a few days, definitely this one. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. Uh, right, next audio clip. This is Sammy Satine. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Pyramids of Mars. Interestingly, it appears on the Sarah Jane Adventure Series 4 DVD as a tribute to Elizabeth Sladen. Also, the voice of Sutek is the same guy who voiced House and the Doctor's Wife. I'm very excited about Sutek returning to Big Finish. Anyway, this episode was good. I love Tom Baker. His Doctor is just great. Love his coat in this too. Also, I like Lawrence... Marcus's brother. Sarah Jane is joy as always. I love how they reference the fact that Victoria wore the dress before her. That was lovely. How is the pyramid-shaped rocket meant to get Sutek out of his prison? It kind of reminds me of the beast in the Impossible Planet slash the Satan Pit. Not only because of the voice, but is the donkey head the consciousness and the bit in the pyramid his body or what? I never understood that. Great story though. Out of 10. See ya. The donkey head. Eight out of ten. Oh, that's a real <laughs> shame because uh, my Skype cracked up in the middle of that and it just came back as you were laughing. And I was like, oh, no, what did Sammy say that you were laughing at? I'll have to go back and listen to it again, Sammy. Uh, don- was she calling it donkey head? Yeah, the donkey head. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thank you very much, Sammy. Uh, right, over on Twitter, we did our normal poll and we asked you what your thoughts were. 96% of you said likey. And only 4% said stinky. Stinky. So a few of you there. Yeah. Not really <laughs> liking it. Let's go over to Facebook. Kevin Mullen says, quintessential Doctor Who. Fourth Doctor and Sarah at their very best, borrowing all the tropes of Hammer horror movies and adding a science fiction twist that Hinchcliffe era did so well. Sutek, we have 
Perhaps the most utterly evil character the show has ever given us and his performance is even more remarkable, considering it's done solely through vocal talents of Gabriel Wolfe. Uh, supporting Carter outstanding in the direction of the recently deceased Paddy Russell is excellent. The music by the legend that was Dudley Simpson is memorable and effective. Uh, the final episode is admittedly like watching an episode of The Crystal Maze, but that doesn't detract from the brilliance of the story. Uh, I bring Sutek's gift of scoring and award Pyramids of Mars 100 out of 100. Oh, okay, nice. Sutek's gift of scoring. I like it. <laughs> Joseph Howarth said... One of the best Fourth Doctor stories, a personal favourite of mine. Only nitpick um, with the otherwise brilliant story is the last part is just filler. And we clearly run out of budget at that point. And Sutek sounded like he was crapping on the lav when he pushed <laughs> back through the time. To- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Joseph does Never say... going to watch that again. Yeah, he does say... Sorry if that was a bit immature, but it's the only way to describe it. Fair enough. Gives it a nine out of ten. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the audio clips. This is Jake Burtwistle. Hi, Gary and Adam, and everybody else listening on this week's Big Blue Box podcast, Pyramids of Mars. This is quite possibly my favourite classic Who story. I just love everything about it. Tom and Elizabeth are probably my favourite Tardis duo. I just love their chemistry. I just can't fault this episode. It used to terrify me as a kid. I, I do think it is my favourite Tom Baker story. I, I, I can't fault it. 10 out of 10. See ya. Browsers. 10 out of 10. 10. <laughs> 10. Cheers, Jake. Uh, more audio. This is Loopy Lou. Hello. Uh, right. Well, I thought it was very strange Sarah Jane running about in Victoria's dress. Why? Why did they choose to do that. It doesn't really suit her character, but anyway. I love that this episode has an orchestral score, not terrible synthy stuff. Well done to the composer. Tom is acting very oddly in this. Sometimes it's like he can't be bothered, or like he's in a huff about something. He's very grumpy. I'm not as familiar with his doctor, but it's not how I remember him to be. I had to laugh when the mummy robots boob crushed a man to death. <laughs> Overall, I really enjoyed it. It was a good story. Um, six out of ten. Six. Ooh, six. Quite oh. low for Loopy Lou. Yes. Um, Tom is very. Tom's doctor is very grumpy in it. She is right. He is grumpy in this one. He is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He is. He's almost getting to the sort of Legopolis style grumpy yeah. in this one, but not quite. Yeah. Yeah. Proper grumps. Yeah. Uh, let's carry on the audio clips, actually, before we get back to Facebook. Uh, this is Martin Arnold. Greetings, time travellers, and uh, you join me with a nice cup of peppermint tea in my hand um, as I begin to gush forth about the best Doctor Who episode ever, ever, ever. Pyramid of Mars is my all-time favourite. It's an absolute 10 out of 10, no question. I love this episode. I love the theme. I think the ensemble cast are just perfect. The cliffhangers are really good, especially that first one with that really creepy death scene of the um, of the Egyptian house sitter brilliant stuff um, Michael Sherd again good value um, he pops up in all the right episodes uh, my favorite moment I, I think is the um, is the trip when they go they go to 1980 and I know that's a bit of a continuity error but I just don't care and and the doctor shows Sarah what the world would be like if Sutek was in charge it's just it gets a really evocative moment and a really simple effect you know they probably filmed some quarry in the dead of night during, um, you know, some 
gale storm in the middle of December and use that. It's, it's just brilliant. Um, Sutex mask, a simple effect, you know. He just sits there and the vocal performance absolutely sells it. One of the best villains of all time. Fantastic. 10 out of 10. Tulipit. 10 out of 10. Another one. Martin loves it. Yes, yeah, this is a favourite of a lot of people, isn't it? I'm, it I'm is. getting this. Yeah. yeah. Let's do our last audio clip. This is Lewis Palmer. Hello to the Blue Box podcast. So, Pyramids of Mars, an absolute undisputed classic from the Fourth Doctor era. Genuinely one of his best stories. I think it's really hard to beat this. The production values are great for a 70s story. Yes, you know, part four looks a bit ropey nowadays, but it, it more than makes up with it for some of the time tunnel effects the and the mummies actually do look pretty good. I mean... Yeah, it's it's all round production wise, and this story actually has one of the best villains ever. Sutek the Destroyer is a force to be reckoned with. It makes the Doctor just kneel, kneel before the might of Sutek, and um, it's really harrowing to see this hero be brought down to such a desperate level by Sutek. It, it's it's great. So yeah, it's it's I I don't know what to add because it's it's a fantastic story, just undisputedly, and um, it's definitely one that all Doctor Who fans must see. See you next time, guys. I thought Lewis would like this one. Yeah, yeah, I had a feeling he would. Yeah. Yes, it's definitely one that all fans should see. Um, oh yeah, I think I'll yes. echo your thought earlier, though, mate. That um, probably recommend two or three different ones if you want to get into Tom. Hmm. maybe just a couple more before this one yeah oh yeah you're right it's it's like an essential classic but i yeah if you were introducing someone to tom's doctor i'd put, probably put it third <laughs> you know it's yeah yeah there are others i'd put first but yeah it's yes. a lot of people just love it don't they it's their absolute favorite yes mm. okay let's finish up on facebook uh jeff waddle says certainly my top 10 as a child brought up on the monster movie double bill late on a bbc2 saturday night this was right up my street. Mummies, Egyptian mythology, and Tom at his best. It's got Michael shared in it, for goodness sake. And the debate um, about where Sutek actually is, it's never confirmed completely, uh, rages to this day. I'm in the on-Mars camp. Mm. But it looks like in Egypt. But the question is, why doesn't he just open the door and walk out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, cracking stuff, a must-watch. Uh because <laughs> he's on the loo because he's on the lab yeah. uh, it says a must watch for new Who fans and in the best era of Who there has ever been a 9.5 oh yeah only taking 0.5 off for Clara being in it it's obviously her hand seen holding down Sutex <laughs> <laughs> love it oh nice one she's brilliant <laughs> Miles McKenzie says one of my personal favourites of Tom uh, a nice plot brilliant performances all round great villains would love uh, Sutek to return uh, the opening scene was one of my favourite lines said by the Doctor in a whole show overall very enjoyable 8.5 uh, Jason Thayer said I'd recommend it to any Huvians getting started in the classics uh, Liz Sladen gave one of her strongest performances Sutek is a great one off villain because you'd wish he'd come back uh, it would have been great with Series 10's arc. Uh, gives it a 10 out of 10. Uh, we had some funny GIFs and videos uh, posted on here as well. Uh, Ian Palmer said, everybody dies <laughs> uh, from the Ninth Doctor. Uh, Zach uh, Jenkin posted the 
Tom and Sarah Jane walking around, you know, the Marx Brothers oh, the, little routine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Danny Brown, absolute classic, 8.5. Uh, and then uh, our own Maria Kalitza, uh, which says, such a shame that Paddy Russell, um, uh, the director died recently, so talented. Uh, she said, it's a strong atmospheric story due to the one setting. Michael shared his great as Lawrence, his hope and sorrow over his brother Marcus always gives me a little lump in my throat when he dies. Uh, Gabriel Wolf as Sutek is superb. The mum is done very well. Love when the doctor takes Sarah back to alternative 1980. So that was it for the official stuff. Did you have anything over on the Geeks handbag? Yeah, I had a couple. So Paula Black says it's uh, definitely in her top 10 favourites. Patrick Sherwood, great story. Love all four parts. He gives it 10 out of 10. Wow. Uh, Martin Asquith, is that who did the audio? Was that a different Martin? A uh, different Martin, yeah. Oh, sorry. A uh, different Martin. It says, uh, simply one of the best stories ever made. Tom and Liz at their best, supported by a brilliant cast. Jason Howe says it's uh, his favourite fourth Doctor story. It's dark, gothic and brilliant. <laughs> Alex, oh, this is Alex who messaged saying, don't worry if I can't pronounce his surname. I'm going to give it a go, Alex. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Alex Kaftazagulu. That'll be it. Says, thanks, <laughs> it says that my favourite story of all time. Best Doctor, best companion, really good menacing villain. Love the mummies. Uh, R.I.P. Russell, uh, Paddy Russell and Dudley Simpson. Uh, Alex gives it a 10 out of 10. Thank cool. you, Alex. Rob Jones, my favourite story, says, absolutely adore it from start to finish. Has a soft spot for the Egyptians, so that's probably why he loves it so much, he says. Charlie Turner, Charlie can be critical. What does he say? He says, not perfect but a good watch at least. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I swear that Sarah Jane swore in one scene. I uh, can't remember which one it was, he says. So he gives it a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, uh, does she swear in a scene? I've got a feeling he's right. Yeah, um, I think she does. Doesn't a, doesn't a naughty word slip through, but I can't remember what it was. I think so, yeah. I think you're right, Charlie. Uh, Dean Jones says, a gem of the fourth Doctor era. Tom and Elizabeth work brilliantly together. The story is very engaging throughout for a 70s TV budget. Production values are excellent, and Sutek is one of the best standalone villains in Who's history. Supporting casts all do a very solid job with their characters, and of course, I can't forget the brilliant music by Dudley Simpson. May he rest in peace. 10 out of 10, Dean says. Cool. And finally, Bradley Willard says, my favourite story of all time. Another one. Favourite story of all time. Without a shadow of a doubt, he says. There is genuine threat, good use of setting a well-paced narrative an intimidating and damn right terrifying villain in Sutek and some brilliant performances from the whole cast Doctor Who as it should be Bradley says and he gives it 10 out of 10 another 10 another 10 yeah good times and Paul, Paul Valanio <laughs> sorry Paul I know that's wrong uh, just commented under Bradley's comment saying uh, Sutek alone rates 10 out of 10 all the more with Tom Baker and Liz Sladen so all good, mate. Did we get? We didn't get any negative. I don't think, did we? Uh, a lot maybe. of people saying it's their favourite. Um, yeah, all, I don't think all they're positive. All. I think I would say so. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of um, firm favourite as well for for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I suppose, actually, no. Sorry, um, George said it was a bit slow, didn't he? He was the only one. Um, and like I say, George, I do know where you're coming from on yes. that. But George found it a bit slow. It's the first time he's watched it. I yeah. think it's one of those that he'll George. I think you'll watch it again in a few years after watching more Baker and it might become a bit like me. I think it will slip into your top 10 over time. Mm. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. So that was pyramids. Thank you very much. 
for sending in your thoughts and stuff on that. Next week, we're going to continue revisits. Mm. So what are we doing next week, buddy? Make sure you dress for the occasion. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, that was Crikey. my terrible Gareth Roberts. Not Gareth Roberts. What's his name? The master. Um, whatever his name is. <laughs> anyway, we're doing the TV movie. The McGann TV movie. Mr. McGann. Yeah. What is that bloke's Come name? Because I can't. Not Gareth Roberts. Who is it? Um, the master um, yes yeah yeah is it i think so no <laughs> listeners will be screaming at us going no no <laughs> anyway yeah the, the began tv movie sorry listen, the yes. began tv movie yeah. eric roberts isn't it it's eric roberts eric roberts master yeah. poor old gareth roberts will be going how dare you of course eric roberts yeah yeah uh, so anyway yeah we did the tv movie back in episode 47 Wow. And the reason why I stuck this one on there is purely because there's no content for Mr. McGann unless you dive into Big Finish. Um, And also because the TV movie is still to this day often very divided uh, amongst amongst fans. And I've seen it maybe another two or three times since we've reviewed it. So I have picked up on a couple more things that I hadn't noticed in the first few viewings. So I just thought it'd be a good one to, um, to go through one more time yeah no i'm looking forward to going through that one again yeah yeah so next week tv movie and i think we're going to do there for 164 okay Thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening through 164. 164? It is. Yeah, it I is. only just said it a matter of seconds ago, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so very sad news uh, regarding Dudley Simpson and Paddy. It's just really, it sucks having to start off news and go through news when somebody has left us, but good legacies left behind. Um, and uh, yeah it's been great talking through Pyramids really cool watching that again and talking through it again and yeah I think we've both uh, we've both concluded that it definitely goes into the top 10 yeah definitely now yeah North. next week revisits month thunders through and we're going to look at the TV movie with Mr. McGann Mr. McGann yeah it's going to be good awesome stuff yes looking forward to re-watching that one again so am I actually it's been a very long time since I've, I've put that in uh, yes cracking soundtrack yes that's true yeah and our old friend Dashney <laughs> yeah Dashney Afbrook uh, who we interviewed back in oh about a year and a bit ago oh I think. is it really blimey yeah. yeah that's a lovely interview actually if anyone hasn't listened to it it's a really nice chat with Daphne yeah we had a good catch up it's good anyway so head over to our website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our previous episodes plus you can link off to all the social stuff and you can also link off to subscribe on iTunes and all that jazz and if you're an iTunes subscriber if you could drop a, a rating and a review that'd be awesome because it really helps us loads and remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Oh, yes. Some cracking stuff on there. His latest video, Chilling Out with Russell T. 
Yeah. yeah. Very, very good. Good times. Very jealous as well. Very nice guy. Oh, I love that man. So check out uh, The Geek's Handbag. Just do a search on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all the usual stuffs. Uh, next week, yep, yeah, so get your Blu-ray or your DVD, whichever format you prefer for the TV movie, because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always. So until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh, and... Lottie. Lottie.